Radio, but more importantly today, it is our annual college lacrosse preview show. Patrick Stevens, of course, our friend from the Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine, is with us this morning. Good to see you, sir. How are you? I am well after having dodged a little beltway traffic to get here. Yeah. No yeah. We got a busy show today. We're going to chat with all seven head coaches from the uh, D1 men's teams in the state of Maryland. So all throughout the morning, we're going to be joined by head coaches, and we're going to start off with a bang as joining us, kicking off our preview show this season is none other than the head coach at Towson University. He's Coach Sean Nadlin, and he's with us this morning here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's good to chat with you. Thank you, as always, for taking the time for us. Good morning, fellas. Always a pleasure on my end, and Good to hear Pat's working on his, his dodge moves out there on the beltway. <laughs> right. He's getting ready for lacrosse season. He's ready, he's ready to play attack 100%. Yeah. You should see his bull dodge. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I can see that. I can definitely see that. Um, uh, coach, a lot to – No uh, warning. Right. <laughs> A lot to cover with you. Let me start with the, the conference, obviously. Big changes in the CAA this year. Um, what what does it mean for you guys? Is it just, hey, look, there's some different opponents on the schedule, that's all it is? Um, when you look up in the conference, it's sort of so wildly different as it is this year. Yeah, we um, you know, we lose one team in UMass, uh, and we had such a, a great uh, history with them, some awesome games, and just great respect uh, between the two programs. So, you know, kind of sad to see them leave, um, but, you know, welcoming in three teams with, um, Hampton, Monmouth, and, and Stony Brook. It's it's exciting. You get to see some some new opponents and then see how your team, you know, obviously stacks up against them. And you know, it makes our conference larger. So um, in a way, it, you know, it kind of decreases our out of conference schedule, so to speak. So that was a, an adjustment um, uh, just with the, the conference schedule getting a little bit larger. But you know, being able to uh, see a, a very familiar face in, in Coach Gallardi, who was my um, offensive coordinator uh, for a long time will will be a lot of fun and, and know we're going to be tested by all those teams for sure. On that scheduling front, the, the non-conference scheduling front, I know you got a little creative putting in that Thursday game in April against Denver. How, how important was it to be able to maintain so much of what you've been able to do, or at least as much of what you've been able to do over the years non-conference-wise, keeping a game like that, still having Virginia, still having Loyola, that sort of thing? Sure, yeah, I think it's uh, it's been a challenge probably for a lot of programs, um, and, and we've worked really hard to, to build out our out-of-conference schedule to, um, you know, be able to make it as, as competitive as possible. And, um, you know, I'm glad that we were able to, you know, we, with the addition of the, the CAA teams, um, the weekends that we, we previously had were those Denver game was the Denver game and the Duke game. Um, and then we were able to find uh, another date for the Duke or the Denver game, which, Again, is is great, and being able to try to keep some of that non-conference uh, scheduling intact, and then just being creative, and um, you know, I know it's going to be part of the process moving forward. With you know, with hopefully new teams coming into to Division One, and and having to you know figure out how you can make the schedule work. Yes, Sean Nadlin, Towson lacrosse coach, he's with us on this year's college lacrosse preview show. Coach, obviously a year ago, got back to the conference title game. Um, there's there's a monster that's sort of standing away in the way in the CAA, and we saw Delaware and what they were able to do in the NCAA tournament, and I think a lot of people expect them to be right back into the mix. What What is the biggest difference right now, or what is it going to take 
for you guys to sort of make that next jump and be able to get back to the NCAA tournament and get over the hump knowing that this is not a team that looks like it's going anywhere this season? Sure. You know, we got to rely on our experience that we return, you know, from the past year, past couple of years, and, and we have a good amount of that. Um, and really lean on those guys' experience, knowing what, you know, what helped us get to that point, um, you know, through regular season CAA play, um, non-conference play, but also in the, in the tournament. Um, we, we definitely were not what we wanted to be in that championship game, um, but Delaware was, you know, was also uh, excellent, and, and they showed what they were capable of, you know, not just, um, kind of down the stretch in the CAA, but definitely through the CAA tournament and into the NCAA tournament, and, and they return everybody. So we know they're going to be an extremely strong uh, and even more experienced team, and, and we got to be able to um, rely on ours, um, you know, to, to counter that and combat that. And you know, obviously, uh, they're they're the team that everybody's looking at right now uh, for this year in the CAA. But there's <laughs> there's a lot of other pretty strong teams as well. So it'll be, uh, you know, as always, uh, a great battle every week in the CAA. Felt like in aggregate your your defense improved as the season went along and obviously some key pieces back there, including Colby Bars at long pole. Uh, how do you kind of size up that end of the field for you guys, uh, particularly that close unit and the rope unit combined? Um, it's, you know, when you look at it kind of on paper and stuff, it's our more experienced area, um, you know, with, everything except the, the goalie position. Uh, you look at our close defense, our long stick middies, our D middies, those guys have played together uh, for the past year or two. So we definitely have experience, but uh, we also, you know, so we're going to rely on that and, and hopefully continue to to allow our defense um, be, you know, kind of the strength of our program. Um, but, you know, those guys need to continue to improve and, and continue to, to build that chemistry. Um, and we need to, to figure out what we're going to look like in the goal. You know, we got, um, you know, great options and, and all of them are playing pretty well. Nobody's really stood out to be the guy yet. Um, not that we would need a guy. Um, you know, we're, you know, we're going to play the ones that deserve to be out there. Um, but, you know, having a, a new guy in, in between the pipes is, you know, a part of that defense that's, you know, still trying to figure out, um, how it's going to be filled, but, you know, we're, we're going to rely on those D guys and their experience to, you know, um, put us in a position to be successful. I guess I can scratch. Do, have you made a decision about goalie off my list of questions? Then <laughs> Sounds like Correct. the answer is. And you guys still obviously have another exhibition before you play your opener, mm-hmm. so some time to make that decision. Um, Coach, yep. as, as you reference yeah. your defense, one that jumps out at me, how do you replace not just what he brings to the field, but the leadership of a Kobe Smith and, and how important he was to your program? Yeah, I think that's maybe the the bigger piece. Obviously, he was a, a tremendous talent on the field with his defensive ability, but also his ability in between the lines and, and pushing transition. So, um, you know, we, we got to always play to our strengths, you know, and when you have uh, talented players like that, um, you got to be able to adjust maybe what you do and evolve. And we did that with Kobe and um, that, you know, benefited us for a few years, but, you know, now relying on what we have and what we're capable of and, and playing to those strengths. Um, yeah, his leadership was strong. Uh, you know, he had a good presence on the field and, um, you know, had a good voice. Uh, and so I think the, the guys that are returning that were around him, you know, can, you know, we're able to learn from that and, and recognize maybe how he handles some situations and, and things like that and learn from that, but also 
tie that into to who they are and, and how they are, um, you know, leaders now and, and be able to learn from the guys that were before them and, and be able to put that into their own tool belt and, and use it when needed. At the other end, of, at the offensive end of the field, how much do you think things are going to run through Nick DeMeo and, and, and Kyle Berkeley this year? I think two guys that, that came in and were able to really have a big impact on you last season, DeMeo with his 36 goals and Berkeley going 25 and 18 out of the midfield. Yeah, Kyle's you know definitely an imposing presence and um, draws a lot of attention and is you know can be a matchup um, you know problem and we want to utilize that and you know but also protect him and um, you know because he's a big physical guy and, and not just rely on him to have to take on two to three guys so you know like always within our offense we want to have everybody share the ball um, you know all six guys on the field working together doing their one six and. Um, you know, making sure the ball doesn't kind of die in one guy's stick. Uh, it did that at times uh, for us offensively last year. And, you know, we got some really good pieces in place. You know, Nick, obviously, um, being a part of that and, you know, what he can do, you know, with his shot and his um, IQ and communicating on the field and, you know, adding in some um, some more experienced guys but also some, some new guys into the mix, into the offensive end. It's, it's been a lot of fun for us over the fall and into the uh, preseason here. So seeing how all that fits together and um, manufactures some goals is, is going to be, you know, a good part of the, the process here as we get rolling into the season. He is Sean Nadlin, Towson lacrosse coach. He is with us. Just another couple of minutes as we preview the Tigers this season. You mentioned, obviously, the defense is the strength, and it's sort of what we come to know about Towson lacrosse when it comes to you know, the Sean Nadlin era, right? It's, we've expected that to be the strength. But, you know, as you reference those guys, do you see a world in which, like, this team, as built, could be a little bit more capable of scoring some goals? And maybe there aren't quite as many, I don't know, seven sixes, six fives, as maybe been used to over the years when it comes to Towson lacrosse. Yeah, we you know we'd like to keep opponents to to those numbers for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but definitely pumping you know pumping some more goals on on our end. Uh, you look at guys like um, you know Ryan Swain on the offensive end, Austin Stewart, um, you know Chop Gallagher, and um, John Bender, and, and guys that have played for us you know in the past, Alex Reed. You know those guys are all back into the mix again this year. So bringing that that experience, bringing their skill sets to it, and continuing to evolve often offensively and, and we got some young guys that'll be uh in the mix with them to to bring their own uh talents to the field you know working together on the offensive end so um i'd say you know that coming into form as well as hopefully being better at the uh face-off x you know returning matt constantinides and shane santora uh who are face-off guys last year and doing you know decent there you know kind of okay to a decent you know i think we can elevate that position um, as well as bringing in two pretty competitive uh, freshman face-off guys. So we have um, more, resor- more resources, more competitiveness and practice uh, for those guys to, to make each other better. So I think that's um, been a positive um, you know, with, with everything that we're moving into this season. I did want to bring up the face-offs a bit because you mentioned Matt Constantinides. Uh, last year was 45.5% for the year, but 58% in CAA play. So I, I got to think that that was one of the bright spots for you guys as, as, throughout April and, and, and into May, uh, that he was a guy that, that kind of came on strong as, as that first year came came to a close. 
Yeah, uh, we only had you know it was it was Matt and Shane um, all last year. That's that's all we had for face-off options that were kind of purely face-off guys. We had some other guys. You know, we had a long stick and Sam Morin and, and Ray Glass, who's a deep midi, you know, ready to go if needed. Um, you know, but those two guys just, <laughs> just beat up on each other all you know all practice and, and made each other better. And and by the time we got into CAA play, Matt kind of established himself as this kind of lead guy there. And Shane was, you know, continued to be a great mentor and, and, you know, get his reps when, when we needed him to. And then that relationship has continued to, to flourish. Um, but now getting those other guys in the mix, you know, I think Matt's got that, you know, experience underneath him. Shane's got the experience. So um, hopefully improving upon that, that CAA number and, um, you know, when we get into the CAA play, but also, you know, being able to do that in our non-conference play and, and getting more possessions our way and, and capitalizing that, you know, you're, your face-off guy, you know, um, really is only as valuable as the offense that he gets the ball to. You know, he can get you 80% of the ball, um, you know, off the face-off, but if your offense isn't scoring, you know, those don't really – those possessions don't really matter. Um, so, again, you want, you got to be able to capitalize on those. You saw what Maryland was able to do last year uh, with, you know, Weirman, you know, doing what he did at the X and then their offense being as high-powered as it was. When, when those two things are operating at a very high level – you know, it's a, it's a very dangerous team, um, you know, for that. Yeah, it helps to be able to go about 13 deep like they did a year ago on yeah. their attack. Sean Nadlin, the uh, the season gets underway next Saturday, the 11th, at Mount St. Mary's. First home game, February 18th, when they welcome St. Joe's to United Stadium. Coach, always appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck this season. We'll, of course, be in touch, and we'll be chatting with you as it goes along. Appreciate you joining us this morning, as always. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Coach Sean Nadlin from uh, Towson checking in with us here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Patrick Stevens, your thumbnail on the Tigers? Well, I, I think the thing that stands out about Towson is, is is can they survive that opening month or so of the season? I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily look as imposing on paper as it really is, right? Like, you don't necessarily think, oh, St. Joe's, oh, Richmond. Those are tournament teams from last year. St. Joe's gave Yale a run and brings back much of its team uh, this year, you know, Richmond was a team that took Penn to overtime last year and is really, really well coached. And then Loyola, UMBC, Virginia, and then it's into CAA play. And so, you know, if if Towson can develop that offense and can get the faceoffs right and can get the goalie situation settled, if 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 if, then they could be a really interesting team. Uh, if not, then it's going to basically be a scramble to get one of those four CA tournament spots and sure. hope to be hope to be peaking in May. Right, but have your best game when you need to against. What I, I assume that you also look at Delaware. I think I think, Del- yeah. I think Delaware is the favorite in that league, but there's no reason to think that um, the way that both of those teams play, like Delaware's, you think about those. Uh, you, 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 frankly, it kind of remind me a little bit of the way Towson played for a while, very buttoned up and. And a, a team that's just kind of kind of grind you down and stuff like that, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see Delaware get into an 11-10-10-9 type of conference tournament final against a team like a Towson, if that's what somebody wants to try to play against them, because yeah. that that's kind of what they do. I mean, they beat Georgetown 10-9 in the tournament. They played a low-scoring game against Cornell in the tournament. Is there a chance that Delaware could compete for an at-large this year? 
I think there is a chance that Delaware could compete for an at-large this year. As, as Sean just mentioned, you know, they bring back just about everybody. That attack is pretty much back in its entirety. I think they bring back five of their starters on offense. The goalie's back. Owen Grant is as good a defenseman as you're going to find anywhere, maybe any, anywhere not named Will Bowen at Georgetown. Sure. I mean, he, he's, he's one of the top three to six guys. You know, he's in that conversation with Maycar from Maryland and Gavin Adler from Cornell and a handful of other guys, Kastner at Virginia. So – uh, you know, they are really, really good. And I had the chance to see them in person twice during the postseason last year. And there were moments like, well, what were these guys doing in the play-in game? You know, sure, they, like sure, they, figured, right. they figured it out, and they have just about everybody back. And, you know, getting that close to a Final Four and not getting there is, is kind of a recipe for being even hungrier. Like right. that, th- if that team makes the Final Four last year, maybe some of those guys don't come back. You know, that, that's, a, that's a great accomplishment to walk off with. Maybe some of those guys aren't quite as motivated coming into this year. year yeah. but, but getting that close and now having a, a loaded roster back, they're going to be really, really good. All right, he is Patrick Stevens. Of course, at Discourse, D1S Course, is how you follow him. Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine. He is with us this morning. So Towson was up first. Next up, we're going to chat with uh, Joe Amplo from Navy, then still to come this morning. Charlie Toomey from Loyola, Tom Gravante from Mount St. Mary's. In these, the I guess the, I was going to say second hour, but we started early. So, you know what, it's all going to be screwy The today. second full hour. Yeah, the second full hour of the show. Ryan Moran from UMBC will join us. We'll also be joined this morning by the head coach of the defending national champions, John Tillman from Maryland, and then we'll wrap up today's show with Peter Milliman, the head coach at Johns Hopkins. So we will chat with all seven D1 men's head coaches in the state of Maryland. Today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. And a reminder, there are great offers available for you if you're thinking about signing up for sports betting in the state of Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers right now. You can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly if you're signing up for the first time with DraftKings. You can go find that right now, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Before we chat with Joe Amplo, anything big picture? For people, I don't think the, the average person realizes the season starts this weekend. The season does start this weekend. Including for some of these, like Joe Amplo, mm-hmm. for example, his season starts this weekend. Uh, Mount St. Mary's season starts this weekend. Johns Hopkins season, Maryland season starts this weekend. Are there any big picture storylines to you? Clearly, Maryland is sort of a a giant in all mm-hmm. of this, riding a win streak after one of the greatest seasons in the history of the sport. But are there any other big storylines for you within lacrosse on the whole? Well, I think one of the things that la- last year we wondered what the Ivy League was going to be like when mm. it came back, and and they wound up with six teams in the NCAA, tur- six out of seven in the NCAA tournament. What's the encore there? You know, I, that was a young Harvard team. That was a Brown team that came on strong. Princeton, Yale, Cornell, Penn, all loaded. Can any and all of those teams end up back in the field, back threatening to win games, multiple games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, one thing that you, it stands out, and I, I'm, I'm not a big preseason rankings person, not a big rankings person, period, but we got preseason polls out and no sign of either Syracuse or Johns Hopkins in the top 20. It is weird. And it is a weird, weird thing. And so I think both of those teams have the potential to upset the apple cart a little bit this year. Uh, so, you know, Syracuse, uh, in year two under Gary Gate, 
uh, Hopkins in year three under Peter Milliman. Uh, for Syracuse, I think they've revamped a lot of things up there. Okay. And then on the Hopkins front, with a new offensive coordinator, with John Crawley, which we'll talk to Peter yep. Milliman about later, I, I think that is a team that has a chance to take a step this year, and I think that they're finally much closer to being on the same page than they were over the last couple years for a variety of reasons. And probably worth pointing out the uh, the Bill Tierney tour. Bill the... Tierney retirement tour, too, right. which which does make a stop in Baltimore, in Towson. Yep. Um, in, uh, in and, and, he, and they were here for a scrimmage and they were here, this weekend, And they were right? here for a scrimmage on Saturday. So, uh, But, you know, the Lion in winter with his uh, with his seven titles, I don't know if he's going to get an eighth, but I don't think he's going to go quietly into the night at all. I, I understand that thought process. It would be a mistake to write off a Bill Tierney team, particularly knowing it is his final year. All right, Patrick Stevens is with us. It is our annual college lacrosse preview show. And next up on the hot seat, we welcome back the head coach at the Naval Academy. He is Coach Joe Amplo, and he's with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you as always. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thank you, guys. Excited to be on the hot seat with you both. Good to talk with you. Oh, and we're going to grill you. We are not – I mean, we've got a lot of – not you know, not really. I don't have all that hard stuff. Um, it, it seems like there's a lot of momentum building over these last couple of years with your program, Coach. I, I guess for you, the difference in the foundation that you have laid versus being able to break through in a Patriot League that's getting no easier and top teams are going away, the biggest difference in what it's going to take this season to you would be what? Well, honestly, it's consistency. I think uh, for us now, you know, our staff finally knows this place and the individuals. I think all of us, you know, coming in with this class for us, um, it gave us a chance to really understand these guys and, and get to know them personally and, and build the culture that we really wanted together. And uh, we finally feel like for us um, that the culture we wanted in place and mostly credit to the senior class for buying into us when we got here and then, and then growing and building this together. When you size up the, the midfield that you guys have been able to, to, to build here over the last several years, Patrick Skowniak, Dane Swanson, Max Hewitt, among other guys in that mix, uh, but those are, those are the names that kind of stand out, uh, just, just how imposing a group is that and, and just how much of a difference-making force can they be for you guys as, as you navigate this season? I do think that um, certainly last year they were the, the kind of the highlight of our team offensively. Um, but for, for those guys, you know, the three guys you mentioned, I think reliability is one thing that we know we're going to get from them. We, we know what we have there. But as we, we built more depth on the offensive end specifically, I think we're going to allow those guys to, to not feel the burden as much potentially, but also rely on them when we need some big plays. He is Joe Amplo from Navy. He's with us here on our college lacrosse preview show. Coach, I was reading this uh, preview that this guy Patrick Stevens wrote for uh, USA Lacrosse Magazine, and he was telling me all about Mac Haley. And apparently, there's a lot of people that think very highly. And I know it's a it's a new player, and you don't you know want to put a lot of pressure on a young man. But it seems like around the country, there's a lot of people that think that this is a young player that could offer you guys something significant early in his career. Well, Patrick, is, I appreciate Patrick's uh, thoughts on him, and uh, I, I believe he's spot on. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, Mac has not played like a freshman any day this uh, this year. You know, each practice he comes out, and his compete level is as, as high as anyone's. 
he does have a wealth of talent, but what I think is most impressive to me is just the mental ability that Mac has. He wants to go after the best defenseman. He's not, he doesn't back down from a challenge, and he has all the tools in the toolbox to be a really good college lacrosse player. You got to see some of Xavier Arline last season uh, after, after he joined you guys and, and was able to stay healthy at times last year. What sort of impact can he have this year? And, and uh, you know, overall, just what does he kind of bring to the table uh, with his athleticism and, and skill set? Well, first of all, let me just mention that, you know, I believe his football experience and how he developed into the starting quarterback and took the reins of that program towards the end of the season has allowed him to reach the confidence level that that he has, you know, and he knew was inside of him. And also, I think, you know, this year, his mindset, he understood what the transition was going to be like from football to lacrosse. So he came in to preseason practices, a different player, just a different presence about him. And then he brings that high-level athleticism that is ex- extremely exciting to all of us. So I-, I do think he's a different player than what we had last year, and he can provide certainly a spark whenever the ball is in his stick. But that confidence that he brings, um, I think, can can lift the tide, you know, because he does have that presence on the field and in our locker room just by the human being that he is. Joe, could you tell me like practically what this looks like with him doing both spring football and playing for you guys this season, right? Like how how does that work? Like are there days where, you know, you've got to be in communication with somebody else? Like what 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 is that? How does that map out? Is it as crazy as it sounds to somebody like me, an idiot who was never a high level athlete? It's well, I give yourself a little bit more credit than calling yourself an idiot. Uh, first of all, I think you're a little biased. But, um, it, I mean, right now, honestly, it has not been that big of a challenge. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to have a great, great relationship with the football staff and Coach Newberry, and he's given us the opportunity to let X his dreams. And okay. we, we couldn't do this with every other player. You know, X is a, is a special young man, and he's able to handle it. Um, right now, it's not a challenge. He's a full-time lacrosse player. Once spring football starts just after spring break here, it will become difficult in the sense that he's going to have to balance playing football. He'll go to the practice field there when they do practice, and he'll miss some lacrosse throughout the week. Now, their schedule is demanding. However, it matches up pretty, pretty good with ours, where the days he's going to miss, we just have to make sure we're, we're mindful of that and uh, we prepare him in, in other ways. You know, I've been around this sport long enough to know that guys like Doug Shanahan, who did both, he had a pretty pretty good uh, run early on in my my career. And when Brian Spleen was the first team All American for us at Hofstra, he was a student teacher and missed practice every day of the week. <laughs> so um, I, I think you know X is of that mindset. He's an elite athlete, and uh, I think because he's he's wrapped himself around this institution and is on solid ground academically and within the football program, he can handle both. You don't, like, tell your players that you once had a star player that missed practice every day, right? Like, you don't want to you don't wanna build in excuses for guys to maybe say, today's not all that important. <laughs> well, I mean, look, he's he's not going to sleep in his dorm room. He's going to go to the football field and hopefully wear a yeah. red jersey and not get hit, but, uh, but he's going to be doing something pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but we're not spreading that word too, too, uh, too far. Too far. <laughs> Joe, Joe, at the other end of the field, when we when we talk back in December, we talk about Jackson Bonnets, and you mentioned that, that you feel like you have enough pieces back at that end of the field that maybe you guys could do a little bit more 
uh, to exploit Jackson's versatility uh, and maybe see him more than just simply a, 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 a close defense spot. How has that kind of come along, and, and how well-equipped is he to be able to handle some uh, a variety of assignments back there? Yeah, I think he can handle whatever we throw at him. Um, and our depth now, or potential depth, has allowed us to think more creatively with our defensive game plans. So, you know, he could be up on the wings of face-offs if we do – uh, activate the 10-man ride, he would be the guy we would put up there. Um, we can also move him around because we have other players that have the ability to cover some, some big-time offensive threats. Uh, so using him in a more in a matchup that he might be able to own as opposed to just neutralize, uh, we can start to do those things because we've got some depth on the defensive end. It's not a. It's. A, I think we call that a a, a nice uh, uh, issue to have, right? Like you call that something that's it's a good flexibility to have. Uh, Coach Joe Amplo from Navy is with us. Um, Coach, you guys are getting a lot of attention this preseason. Um, you're ranked in the preseason poll. There is sort of a feel nationally like Navy is a team that's ready to step up and and make that jump. Do do you welcome that? Do you try to block all of that out? Like how do you handle that? with a program that is trying to make the next step? Well, I mean, listen, you want to welcome it because that's what we're all aiming for, right? To be able to compete at the highest level of this sport. However, I'm mindful of the fact that, you know, quite frankly, since I've been here, we, we haven't done it consistently enough, you know, in order to compete nationally. So I think there's a lot for this group to prove, both our staff and also our, our, our players. Um, so we welcome the attention. But we've got to be mindful of just living up to our standard every day and, and realizing that we've got a heck of a lot to prove if we want people to be talking about us later in the season as opposed to the beginning. Uh, an- another position I wanted to ask a bit about, uh, the goalie spot, Pat Ryan back, uh, but also a very promising freshman in Dan Daly. Uh, how has that competition kind of gone, and, and, and how optimistic are you short-term and long-term about what you've got in, in, in that unit? Yeah, I, my optimism is, is extremely high. I, I give Pat Ryan a tremendous amount of credit because he's being, been pushed since day one from when Dan Daly uh, arrived here. And Pat has only risen to that challenge and, and brought his, his standard of play up. But Dan has lived up to it as well. And right now they're neck and neck. Um, so we haven't made a decision yet on who will be the starter or if we're going to go back and forth. But I do think that you'll see both of those guys in between the pipes uh, for for Navy this year. Wow. A- any other newcomers that we should be aware of that that maybe jump out a little bit and say this is a guy that I think is ready to step in and have a role pretty quickly for us. Sure. Um, you know, Jack Flaherty is a guy who who will be in our top six offensive players. Wow. Um, Chad Connolly, uh, you know, he'll be in our in our top three short stick de- uh, defensive midfielders. Uh, Sean Gallagher will be uh, in the long stick midi rotation. And A.J. Hernandez is a guy that can play long stick midi and close defense who is just an excellent lacrosse player. Um, you'll see him early on in our season, you know, at the top of the depth chart as well. Uh, Hernandez is a Baltimore kid, right, from uh, Boys Latin. So that's a very yeah. interesting local sort of tie to this team. Um, I was looking at the weather forecast for Saturday. Uh, lacrosse weather, right? The nice 28-degree day in Annapolis. It's perfect, perfect weather to start a season, right? As luck would have it, it's been a pretty mild winter so far, but yeah. I think the uh, 
the weather gods are telling college across you're, you're kind of silly for starting the season so early and here's here's the coldest day of the year for you to, to, to kick this thing off um the idea of playing two games on the first weekend um can you just sort of tell me about how that came about and i do you did you, did you maybe kick yourself afterwards like what am i thinking why are we doing this yeah, we, we went back and forth on it and questioned it. However, it's, you know, it's hard to schedule games sometimes. And I know for, for every player, not just ours, but every team, if you ask those guys, the players individually, would you rather play a game or, or scrimmage or practice, they would all jump up and say, let's play games. So the opportunity presented itself to be able to play two games in back-to-back days. Um, we, we just have to be mindful of, the rest and recovery prior to those events, which sure. I think we've done a pretty good job of. But um, I, I'm not worried about it. I think it'll be a great opportunity for us to learn a lot about our program in a, in a short amount of time. It all starts Saturday at noon against Mount St. Mary's. And as we mentioned, again, quick turnaround Sunday. They'll be at home against a new D1 team, Queens University, as well. So two opportunities for you to get down and check out the midshipmen this weekend in Annapolis. Coach Joe Amplo. Always appreciate taking the time. We will be in touch as the season goes on. Thank you for doing this this morning, my friends. Thanks, guys. Great talking with you. Joe Amplo, Navy head coach with us here on our College Lacrosse Preview Show. Your thumbnail on the midshipmen. Well, I think he kind of covered it straight out of the shoot, the consistency issue. You know, you think about how they've played well against Army. They picked off Loyola a couple years ago. They've had some good moments over the last few seasons. Uh, and I think when you know when I talked to Joe back in December, he was talking about how it's taken longer than he thought it would, um, but just the, because of the pandemic, because sure. of getting used to the academy, you know, it's not like being at a civilian school, all that. But I, I think that they're on the cusp of something here, and I think that this is not a bad year to try to give it a go uh, in, ma- in terms of making a push. You know, you look at you look at a Loyola, and maybe they're not quite at the level that they historically have, and they certainly don't have a Pat Spencer that, nope. we're, that we're sitting around talking about. You know, I think Army lost a fair bit from last year. I think all these teams, by the way, are going to be good, like the top five or six in the Patriot and League. And BU still looks and like... And BU's still pretty good. Yeah. And, and I would tell you in that league that the team to look out for that we haven't talked about pretty much ever is Lafayette. Really? I think that is a team that we're going to see in the Patriot League tournament. There, There's your there's your hot take okay. for the morning. Okay. Okay, we will see Patri- Lafayette in the Patriot League tournament this year. I have uh, some thoughts. I will share that with you when we go to break. However, about uh, that's that is wild, man. Thinking about the idea of Lafayette being in the Patriot League tournament, they had a lot of good young players last year. Okay, and, and they have. I think they are prepared I, to turn a corner. All right, that will be interesting to pay attention to. But it does look like Navy is a, a the, has the potential to be a team. Absolutely, that could be set. Absolutely, for. you look at the offensive personnel; they're really dynamic. And you know, we didn't even get into six foot six uh, John Jarris. Right. You know? like, right. I mean, and that's a guy that I, I think Navy's really excited about his level of consistency in the fall. So you know, you have all those guys. Our line. Uh, on attack, Haley on attack, the midfielders with Skowniak and Swanson and Hewitt uh, and Flaherty, the freshman, uh, and you've got Bonnets and, and you've got multiple goalie options. I, I do think the faceoffs are a little bit of a vulnerability there. I think re- realistically, Joe Amplo would probably tell you that uh, we didn't get into it, but he would probably tell you that you know against the Sisselbergers and the Calderones and what have you in that league, it's like if you can keep it anywhere near 50%, you're going to be thrilled. Um, but 
it's your no, problem. I feel like anybody in the country keeps it near 50%. So with Mikey Sisselberg, they're feeling Sisselberg, pretty good yeah. about themselves. But, but, I'm, but I, what I mean is, yeah. is that there's a certain degree of, well, I, there's a couple tough matchups yes, there. no question. And so if you can end up in that 50% range for the year, yeah. you're probably going to be okay. And given the options that they have, I think that's really all they need to do is, to, is just to break even. Sort of the long-term Maryland philosophy before Luke Weirman came along, right? Like, just just get get your split and take your chances from there. So... There you go. He is Patrick Stevens. He's with us in studio this morning. If you've not picked up the best of issue of PressBox, it's available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Only a couple of more weeks for this one with uh, Adley Rutschman, our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, on the cover. Go get it right now. We will grab a break here. When we come back in, we're going to be joined by the head coach at Loyola, Coach Charlie Toomey, joins us next as we kind of go Patriot League to Patriot League. Look at the We go uh, Big Ten to Big Ten later. We go Patriot League to Patriot League here. It's like we produced this or something. It was like somebody put some thought in. It's our college lacrosse preview show, Glenn Clark Radio. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kids club for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kids club. The latest edition of Press Box is available now and it's our annual best of issue on the cover we recognize orioles catcher adley rutchman as our 2022 mo gabba sports person of the year and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in baltimore was simultaneous with the birds turnaround also inside we recognize the top people performances and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene press box is available for free at over 500 area locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles. Ravens and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. That first sip... That first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show, too. 
Back in here on our College Lacrosse Preview Show on GCR, Patrick Stevens, the Washington Post, USA Lacrosse Magazine, is in studio with us. Thanks to my buddy Rami Lavi, who's hanging out with us this morning, um, filling in as Griffin's down. He went down to Disney World with his family. I don't know what's going on with this show in Disney World this month, but he's down at Disney with his family this week. Not going to cost him nearly as much money as it cost me. I know that much. God. Still recovering from that. It's going to be a little while. You're, gonna you're, be a little you're, you're making me just sort of yeah, shudder yeah, over here. Yeah. Look, man, the kids were very happy, and it's Come going on. to be a one-time thing. That's there good. will not be a second trip to Disney World at any point. That will never occur, but they had a wonderful time. So thanks to Rami. Charles is hanging out this morning as well. Between the two of them, they got things covered. I trust them. I believe in them. That's the way it goes. Um, uh, Patrick, next up on the hot seat will be Loyola's. Charlie Toomey is going to join us in just a second. Still to come. Uh, I, I, I wanted to cover it. There are a couple of rules changes this year, but they're nothing significant. Like, they, they changed the rule with the mouth of the goal so that, like, if you get pushed mm-hmm. in, as long as you don't make contact with the goalie, you're you're okay, something like that, something right? Like, something like that, yeah. The, it, it, is, it, it was not a huge year for the uh, for the rules committee in the offseason. So right. Not, n- we're not going to have, like, some sort of earth-shaking uh, shot clock or something like that that really alters the fabric of the game uh, the way that some previous rules changes. Did. So, yeah, nothing that's going to be, like, it's going to take us a couple of weeks to get used to or something along those lines. Or one of those rules that gets called in the first two or three weeks and, and then, then they kind of right. gets ignored yes. the rest of yes. the season. Yes, I remember a couple of those over the years. Nothing like a, nothing like a point of emphasis that disappears <sighs> once, the, once, the, uh, once we get into the, when actual, spring actually starts. Next up on the hot seat, he is the head coach at Loyola. He is one of my favorite people. You guys know that. He's Coach Charlie Toomey. He's back with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's always great to catch up with you, my friend. Thank you as always taking a couple of minutes for us. I'm a little disappointed. I'm not in studio with you guys this yeah, year. Uh, we, we, we moved. We really kind of screwed everything up. We used to be right down the street. <laughs> Coach could basically walk to the old studio from, from his yeah, office. Absolutely right. Unfortunately, now that we're out in Towson and you guys doing practice or whatever it is, trying to get ready for the season. It makes it tougher. We miss seeing you. It's yeah, it great. It's in the way of things, doesn't it? Yeah, right, you jerk. Why would you schedule? Couldn't you schedule around us? What's wrong with you? Um, you know, I, 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 look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's not like you guys won three games last year. Like I understand it wasn't a miserable season by any stretch of the imagination, but I know it was a disappointing season for you guys, and you didn't meet your own expectations. What, what is that? Can you take me through as a program – do you have to, you know, sit down and look at everything and say, do we need to do things differently? Or can you just say, hey, we had some bad luck. Some things didn't go our way. We know we're still very much, you know, doing everything the right way. Let's not make any sort of crazy changes. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a little of both. Um, you know, you certainly you take a moment after the season to kind of reflect on the year in general and, um, you know, kind of take the good and, and, and to make sure that you're holding on to that. And, you know, whether or not it's a drill or it's personnel based or, you know, what, what quite honestly I came away with was I thought we were inside too much and, and that was weather related, but I think it affected our goalies. I, I really think that we developed some tough habits, you know, inside and not seeing the ball. And I think that, you know, when you're a team that really wants to, uh, to run, right. And, um, you know, you, we felt like last year we had a lot coming back, uh, returning going into the season. Certainly our goaltender was one of them who I think everybody remembers, you know, the one save against Denver to, to propel us to the final eight. Um, we felt like 
okay, we've got a lot of things figured out. A lot of, a lot of the template is in place, but it just didn't work out that way. And, and the other side of it is, you know, with the fifth years, we don't have the ability to bring in kids from other programs, um, you know, for a fifth year as a Patriot League rule. So all of the kids that were returning as fifth years were guys that had been part of the success that we had. And you, you just kind of felt like, okay, not that you didn't have to develop a team, but there are new faces. You know, there are new freshmen in there and the chemistry changes a little bit. And having fifth year guys that are taking classes downtown and in Pomonium, uh, um, you know, in Columbia, like th- th- just, it doesn't naturally happen, right? Like um, with, with guys that are living in the dorms together and guys that are attending classes together. So, you know, I, I think one, the chemistry piece two, giving our goaltenders a better chance to kind of get their feet, you know, under them, see the ball, not develop bad habits. Um, we've been inside one time this year and um, leaving looking outside right now and it's cold and it's raining. I said, okay, well, we're, we're definitely starting outside. We're going to warm our goalies up and give them a chance. And, you know, I, I feel like we've got to, we've got to do that. And, and, and not that every year is like that. I can remember years ago going inside and saying, you know, we've had success early season because of our ability to be inside. Mm. You know, every, every team's a little different. Every goaltender might be a little different. Um, and so, you know, you just, again, you look at certain things and what worked well, what didn't work well. Um, you certainly talk to the players and, uh, you know, you try to reflect on it, but I love the energy. I like this group this year for sure. And I like how we've practiced and I think that we've come together, um, really well. Uh, we'll see what it looks like, you know, in a few weeks, but, uh, I like where we are. Charlie, uh, I'm struck by how here in the preseason, kind of the external kind of looking in on Loyola and, you know, you don't see Loyola in the top 20 anywhere. And, and I'm as guilty of that as anybody. Um, and I'm the, the striking thing to me is that, you know, the last time that Loyola was in this sort of situation was 2012. And I, I <laughs> seem to, I seem to recall number 20, you know, not 21 or whatever being repeated as a number a lot that year. Uh, are there any parallels for you to, to that team and this team, just in, in terms of you know the hunger uh, and, and sort of the awareness that, that maybe this is a Loyola team that's been overlooked a little bit? Uh, you know, any coach is going to tell you they're going to play that up a little bit. Um, quite honestly, I, I look at the identity of our team, and I am more comfortable coaching a team um, that is known for playing good, solid defense and then wants to get out and run and create transition and, you know, really play an up-tempo uh, style. And I feel like, you know, we, um, we had Pat, right? Pat Spencer, everybody knew Pat. We wanted the ball to touch Pat's stick every time, you know, the ball came down the field. And, and we didn't push the tempo as much because we were very comfortable playing in six-on-six six sets. So we kind of got away from, in some way, shape or form. And rightly so. I mean, having the best player, you know, arguably, you know, in the Baltimore era forever, um, you wanted it in his stick. Um, I think we lost a little bit of our way um, in terms of once he was gone, you know, not being, not pushing the tempo like we used to. So we're we're trying to get back to that, right? Um, We're trying to have short sticks run the field and try to, you know, create some some better situations for us between the lines and it's it's a work in progress uh but to me that's the identity that i'm very comfortable with 
Um, and I think our team, it's a fun way to play. Um, and I've watched it, you know, develop within practice to a point where I'm really looking forward to seeing what it looks like, you know, on Saturdays in the future. Charlie, Charlie Toomey, head coach of Loyola Greyhounds, with us on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Coach, it sounds like you might be kind of answering one of my questions, which was, you know, do you expect there to be – you're losing your top two points getters from a season ago. Do you expect someone to kind of step up and become more of an alpha? The, the way you answered the last question, it sort of sounds more like I'd prefer that we didn't have a singular alpha offensively. Yeah, you know, I, I do think that um... – you know, people will point to the development of, of a kid like Seth Higgins and Evan James and then Adam Patra, you know, had a, had a really good year with uh, the U21 Canadian team. Um, you know, I, I think people will point to those names, but the ball is not dying in any one of their sticks. Um, and Coach Band's done, you know, with, without having a, a pure finisher like a, a Kevin Lindley, I think what we have found is that we've just got to, we've got to create offense and just keep the ball moving and, and find, take the best one that we can get. Right. And, and so we're not, we don't have that one guy where we're kind of all looking at saying, Hey, he's got to play well today. He's got to have five assists for us to have any success. Um, we've got multiple guys kind of playing within a game. I would tell you that we probably don't have three attackmen that, you know, are 60 minute guys. We've got multiple guys that are going out there and, and really giving us minutes so far, right? Like through one scrimmage, but through the fall as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think that it's a team that is hopefully going to be better at the end of the year and just continue to grow because we just played Richmond and a scrimmage. And, you know, if five of our top nine offensive players were freshmen. Hmm. So hmm. it's hard to guard guys because even on our sideline, we're not sure what they're going to do. <laughs> we give them a plan, but uh, it's a lot of chaos out there. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it's, it bodes well for the future, but obviously there's going to be some growing pains. But we like what we're seeing. Charlie, doubling back to the, to the goalies and, and what have you, I know Sam Schaefer, multi-year starter for you guys. Uh, I know you've, o- you've always been very high on Luke Stout and his potential, and he obviously started a game last season. Uh, how has he done in this preseason, and, and how encouraged are you with how that position is shaping up at the moment? Yeah, the one thing I'm, I'm always proud of, um, you know, in our locker room is just the chemistry within that position because, I, you know, it's, there's, there's competition. You know, one guy plays, um, but I feel like, you know, with Freeman Whitaker, who's a fifth-year guy for us, and, and uh, Max Watkinson, who's a freshman local young man from St. Paul's, and, and Colton Tietelbaum, a senior, um, those guys have a great chemistry together. Luke has, um, through the fall, kind of gravitated to kind of being our one guy um, and, and, and starting and getting the majority of the minutes. And I just like the way he's competing in there. I really do. I like the way he's leading our defense. Uh, I like the energy he plays with. And, um, you know, he's, he's played well through the scrimmages. And, uh, you know, I would say that uh, I'm very comfortable, you know, should, should there be, you know, a situation where we had to kind of look to the sideline. I, I like where Freeman is. I, I like where Max and, and Colton are. Um, but I would tell you that Luke, Luke's a, a, a young man that was the Syracuse player of the year uh, for three years in a row for a reason. Um, he's a good player. 
and um, and we're lucky that we have him. And I think I think the guys in front of him really enjoy playing for him because we always say you want a goalie that makes somebody play better. And and I think those guys uh, feel organized when he's in there. I think they they really want to you know dig in and, and and force low angle shots, which is important for us. And but Luke is this year catching the ball, and if you can catch the ball you can play fast. If you can't catch the ball um, and it's a rebound or, you know, you're resetting and you've got to kind of throw down to the sides, then it's hard to run. And Luke's doing a really good job of catching the ball and allowing us to be, uh, you know, a team that wants to run that can. You know, one other thing I wanted to ask you about in another up-the-middle position, it feels like you've had Savio's taking face-offs forever. <laughs> um, and, decade. <laughs> oh, just about a decade. Um, but Eight years, nine years, nine yeah. Years. yeah. So, you know, what what's it like to not have that now? I, I know I know Bailey was not the main guy that, that first year in, in 2018, uh, but he basically was a, a split-time type of situation. Uh, what, what's it like moving on from the, from the Savio family after having such reliable play here for the last almost decade? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it was a little odd <laughs> at first. And, uh, you know, you, you, but knowing that we've had, you know, Eric Pacheco and Chris Catone, you know, kind of in the wings waiting for that moment. Now Chris has kind of been battling a little bit of the injury bug so Eric Pacheco took the majority, has taken the majority of our faceoffs. Uh, then we we brought a young man in, uh, a transfer to help at that position uh, mid year. Um, young young guy by the name of Sawyer Allen from Curry College, and um, so Coach Bakeness has some some tools in the box, but it definitely looks a little different, you know. And um, you know those guys, it's almost like I, I joke around, but in in Steve we trust, right? Mm-hmm. In Monk we trust, and. Um, there's a reason that those Savio boys have been as good as they have been. And, you know, it's really, you can look no further than, than our coach, coach fakeness and, and how he develops those guys and the plan that he has from day one, you know, how to, uh, how to prepare them for game day. Yeah, obviously defense appears to be quite a strength for you guys. Cam wires, Peyton Rizanka. I'm wondering, I like, you know, I saw you. I saw Peyton up at the uh, USA Lacrosse event this past fall, and and he was right back to harassing and confounding and frustrating the best players in the world. Um, I, I wanted to ask you what you thought that experience gave to him, but I, I guess I want to double down on that, and, and maybe we'll have to revisit this after the World Championships this summer, but what has that experience with the national team done for you and, and helped you and, and grown and allowed you to grow even to this point so deep into your career? Yeah, quite an honor to be asked by Coach Zanowski and his staff to, to be a part of that. Um, you know, I, I'll start with Peyton. You know, really, I was excited that he had the opportunity um, to be a part of the process. And for us, luckily, um, you know, with him not being with us in the fall, he was in San Diego. He had one semester to finish his academics, so he went out and did basically an internship in San Diego and came back in January. So we were a little worried, what would it look like, right? But he had a couple events with U.S. lacrosse, the last tryouts, um, you know, over at Sparks, but then again down in uh, in Florida. So he came in in great shape because um, he was preparing for that as well. So the stick was in his hand. Um, and I've asked him, I said, listen, you know, you have. You've sat at those tables with those guys, and, you know, I want you to talk to our team about the experience because – that's the best of the best. You just played with the best of the best that the PLL has, you know, in college 
and uh, and talk about that experience and what makes that 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 experience unique, right? Like how you can how we try to come together defensively and what was important to us as coaches. And I want you to to really relay that to our program. Um, and you know, I'm waiting for that moment. It, it's going to happen. We haven't asked him to do it yet, but he's prepared and excited about it. And I have seen him be a little more vocal uh, with our own team. Um, but he's got that quiet confidence that you just, he's another level player right now for us. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been fun to kind of have him on the sideline. And I think even as I've tried to put in some drills, maybe that we did at the USA tryouts, um, he kind of understands what I'm expecting and then kind of gets the guys into those positions, you know, for those drills defensively. And, and for myself, just being around, um, you know, Coach Donowski and Joe Amplo, who's a close friend, and, you know, as well as Seth Tierney, um, you know, kind of being able to bounce ideas off of them um, and, and, you know, really adding to your contacts in your phone of people that, you know, you, you can pick up at a moment's notice and call and just kind of say, hey, thinking this, what are you thinking? And yeah, Joe's in our league, um, but, you know, we tend to, uh, we live in the same area and, and it's nice. It's nice to have a, a relationship outside of, uh, you know, outside of the lines and, and be able to uh, to lean on those guys. And, and they're really, they're awesome guys. And I would say that about just being around the players uh, for the U.S. team, you know, even through the tryouts, they're just awesome guys. You know, and you feel really good about our sport when you when you spend a weekend with those type of guys, you know, that are the best of the best and they tell their stories. And that's one thing that Coach Donowski does really well is takes a group of guys and pulls them together in a very short period of time and creates that atmosphere where you want to be a part of it You and you don't want to let your next guy down. Right. And uh, and that's something that you know, has made me a little bit better where I've been able to come back with our own team and challenge them. It's pretty, uh, it's, it's pretty remarkable to hear you describe it that way, coach. It's a, it's a really cool opportunity. And again, obviously this summer you look to go win a gold medal, but before that, uh, some, some work to do this season, I guess let, let, let's, let, for this team to bounce back and have the success and, and reach that standard that obviously exists at a place like Loyola to you, the most important thing that needs to go right is what? It's, you know, first of all, I, I will say that I've started with how I talk to our team. Um, I, I used to put such an emphasis on, you know, we open up with Virginia or we open up with Maryland and we've got John yeah. Hopkins and N- Rutgers nice, right away. Nice, easy schedule and, to start the season, by the way. Nice cakewalk. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, you recruit saying, hey, these are the people that you're going to play. Like, you want to come to this type of place because you want to compete, right, at a really high level against those programs. And, um, and really this year, anybody in our locker room would tell you, I went to them and said, listen, yeah, they're on our schedule. We got to win the Patriot league. We, we have to keep our eye on what gets us to the tournament. We haven't won the Patriot league in, in a few years. Let's get back to taking care of our league. Cause that's the first step towards the tournament. And so trying to kind of change, not, not, not change the focus. Our guys know Maryland, right? Like they know they're going to be excited to play all of those early season games, but I'm trying to keep their eye on our league and developing and putting ourselves in a position to play at a really high level against every opponent in our league. Um, and that's been a different mindset. You know, I would tell you from, from, you know, day one for me and, and how I talk to my team, but, 
you know, for us to win, for us to win, you know, I, I would tell you we've got to uh, we've got to play with the, the identity that I first talked about. You know, we've got to play good, solid defense. We've got to be able to run a little bit. We've got to develop with some young players very quickly, you know, on the offensive end and uh, and develop some confidence. And and I think from what I've seen, it's coming. Um, we've got to kind of we're not a really deep team, so we the injury bug is important. Uh, hopefully that'll stay out of our locker room, trying to manage our practices in a smart way to keep guys on the field. And, um, you know, I think that there's enough talent in our locker room that, uh, that can put us in a position to compete every Saturday. He is Charlie Toomey, head coach of the Loyola Greyhounds. Again, two big non-conference games in February for you to check them out at Ridley Athletic Complex next Saturday the 11th against Maryland, the following Saturday the 18th against Johns Hopkins. Coach, looking forward to seeing you next Saturday. Appreciate you as always, my friend. Thanks for hopping on with us. Always great to chat with you guys. Thanks, Glenn. See you, Pat. Take care. That is Coach Charlie Toomey from Loyola with us here on our College Lacrosse Preview Show. Hey, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. And remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Your thumbnail on the Greyhounds. Uh, it, it sounds like it's kind of a back-to-basics year for Loyola, back to kind of what we think of them as. And you bring up Peyton Rosanka, sort of the latest in that long line of, of great d middies that they've just, had over the years. Just relentless. Hawkins, Begley, Higgins. I mean, we can we could go on a ways uh, with, with some of these guys. And so, you know, I, I think in so many ways that that is the position that defines them. And when that is really sharp, when their rope unit's really good, they're really good. And yes, they were really good when Pat Spencer was there. That kind of defined them then. But as a program, I think that's kind of the defining position. And feels I think, like, it feels like when they've gotten their best goalie play, and I was just And I was yeah. just going to say, because of... Charlie Toomey's background mm-hmm. as a as a goalie, you know, played on a Final Four team back in 1990, all that. Like that always has a little bit of an extra wrinkle to it, where you're looking at it because he he really isn't. It isn't simply just an analytics type of thing. It's not just simply raw numbers. Like this is somebody. He's somebody that really looks at, at very subtle things when it comes to goalies. And and to hear him as optimistic as he is about Luke Stout, I think is a really good sign for them. Uh, at the other end of the field, it sure looks like they're going to be fairly midfield-oriented with guys that have played some on attack. I think we're going to see them invert a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of different pieces play su- significant minutes. You know, He talked about how he might not have three 60-minute attackmen, but it wouldn't surprise me if at the end of the season we're looking up and, and they've got 10 guys with, with – a dozen, fifteen goals or so, and maybe nobody has more than thirty or, or sure, something like that. Right. You know, I thought a player we didn't talk about with him, but but came on strong at the end of last season was Davis Lindsay, mm-hmm. and he was a guy that that they had thought was going to be able to have an impact. And and when you look at his numbers from last year, I think it was like nine and twenty or eight eight goals and twenty assists. Um, but almost all of that production was toward in the final month or so of the season. And so I think he's going to be a really key table setter for them this year as well. You mentioned earlier, you know, your thought about Lafayette and being a team ready to break through. It, it, the, the common belief is that BU is kind of the team to beat in the Patriots. They bring League. back a lot from that team that, 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 that won the conference last year. Is it, do you feel like there's real separation for BU and then Loyola Navy Army, or is it more you muddled know, than you that? You know, I think it's fairly muddled. Like, I, I, I thought BU was good last year, and 
and and and one of the things about them is they just kind of do what they do and they fly around and and they feel, you know they're a team that that you know has a bit of swagger to them uh but you look at Loyola, which has a great foundation as a program. You look at Navy, which has gotten better. You look at Lehigh, which has Sisselberger, which automatically puts them in the mix against just about anybody. Correct. Because they can tilt the field. Uh, you've got Army, which isn't going to necessarily go anywhere. I mean, there's a lot of good teams in that league. And if you told me right now any one of those teams was going to wind up winning the conference, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And the opportunity for there to be a, an at-large in that group? Uh, I think that depends, obviously, on yeah, what happens. In, non-conference. In, in non-conference yeah. play and a team like Loyola you know yeah, the opportunities are definitely there that's the thing like, right like it, when you size up Loyola and they play Maryland and they play Hopkins and they play Rutgers and they play Duke and they play Georgetown and they play Towson uh, and I think I just went through their entire non-conference schedule right there you know you just if you split that group if you split those six games then you've got yourself a fighting chance of being an at-large team assuming you're doing a seven and one right. or, or something along those lines in the Patriot League, and then you lose to somebody decent in, in the conference tournament. So you know, I know you know Lehigh has some of those decent out of conference games. Army traditionally has a few of those as well. Um, so I, I I think that there are opportunities there. But if you were to put me on the spot and say who has the best at large possibility simply by virtue of opportunity it's Loyola I mean comparing that to you know a team like Navy no disrespect but right, Queens you, you know, and Mount St. Mary yeah, yeah, right. and Manhattan and, yeah. and, and what have you just isn't going to move the needle RPI wise and whether that's a good way to do it or not and that by the way is a conversation we could, we could right. sit here which is have, the better way to get yourself yeah. ready for Patriot League play Absolute, to, to absolutely build some confidence and stockpile wins and, or and to, we could also have a conversation about whether the RPI is any good but we would be here fair and enough, not talk right. to anybody for, for the All rest right. of the time so. I'm sure Notre Dame fans would have I, I, I think, they, I think opinion, they have strong feelings opinion or two about that particular subject patrick stevens is here hey if you missed it last night stan the fan charles and luke jackson got together and sort of broke down what the orioles have done this off season including a, a, adding a pitcher last week in Cole Irvin. You can find that show right now, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video. Um, uh, really quickly, because Jeff wanted you to chime in about Maryland-Indiana tonight. Maryland-Indiana tonight? Basketball, yes. Basketball, obviously. yes. <laughs> right. We're going to have to shift we have, gears We have here. one second here, so I figured, sure, why not? Well, it, it's it's the it's the same deal that we've talked about for, for, for much of the year, which is, you know, how do they handle a guy like Jackson Davis, you know, obviously stuck around against Purdue, which I thought was really impressive. You know, Zach Eady got his, and they contained everybody else. And I think in a lot of ways, that's probably the best play, right? Right. Like, like okay, Jackson Davis is playing really great. Indiana's playing well. You know, that, that wasn't a team that I was as high on as a lot of other people, and it felt like I was feeling pretty vindicated there for about two months. And now and now they've gotten themselves on a roll. They're healthy. Uh, that's a tough one. I think that's, uh, that's probably overall – Behind UCLA and Purdue, their third toughest home game of the season on on paper, anyway. So, uh, you know, for them to be at five and five right now, they make the turn, and there's you know, you start to sketch out that path to the postseason where it's like, okay, well, if you can win your kind of toss up home games, right, against Northwestern, against yep. Penn State, beat Minnesota at home, which you absolutely can't afford to lose, and then if you go and pick off Nebraska and Minnesota, suddenly you're ten and ten, and if you win a game in the Big Ten tournament. 
are there going to be 36 other teams that have better at-large profiles? I don't know. Uh, but beating a team like Indiana would go a long way in terms of helping that and kind of alleviating some pressure later on in the season. All right, let's do this. Let's grab a break here. We're scheduled to be joined by Tom Gravante from Mount St. Mary's here in just a second, but we'll grab a break first. Patrick Stevens is here. It's our annual college lacrosse preview show. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. And he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at pressboxonline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest and I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. You can bet $5 on the NFL playoffs or any other game and get $150 in free bets from FanDuel right now. But you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to sign up and take advantage of that. Again, bet $5 on the big game or whatever it is we're allowed to call. I don't even know what the rules are anymore for this. The championship contest or any other game, and you get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you sign up with FanDuel through the link at pressboxonline.com slash offers. It is our annual college lacrosse preview show. Patrick Stevens is with us in studio. Next up on the hot seat, he is the head coach 
of the Mountaineers out at Mount St. Mary's. He is Coach Tom Gravante, and he's with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's great to chat with you, as always. Thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Hey, hey, Coach, obviously I, I think there's a lot of storylines for you guys, but I'll start with the league. Um, brand new league. Does it just mean brand new opponents and nothing else? Does it mean you have to change anything about the way you guys play to make it work? Like, What is the reality for you guys as you make the jump to a new league this season? Well, um, the league's not new to me. It's going to be new to our players, but um, before we uh, transition to the NEC, we played in the MAC, so I'm familiar with the schools. Uh, actually, this time last year, when um, we uh, made the commitment to go, AD seven uh, email. I was really excited because, you know, um, a lot of those schools are built like us in terms of size, you know, uh, support, so on and so forth. So, NEC was a good league. It was a tough league. Uh, we we were right in the mix, um, but I think we're going to be. Uh, better in this league. So uh, very excited. Just really have to um, watch film, as much film as we can get our hands on, of the new teams in this league. Tom, I, I know you guys have always played an ambitious non-conference schedule and continue to do so, but the, there are some scheduling demands that come from going from playing seven league games to nine league games. What was What was that juggling act like heading into this season? Uh, well, it wasn't that bad in terms of, um, you know, kind of, uh, dropping some teams, you might say, um, you know, you really didn't want to drop Kevin Warren mm -hmm. and Georgetown. Um, you know, there's historically that game was played before it got here in 1993, but, um, you know, and quite honestly with, with COVID and, and his ability to grab high level, players, you know, he can get a Duke transfer mm -hmm. to do his masters at uh, Georgetown. You know, we're, we're, we can't compete with that. It's just, you know, the reality is that that's not going to happen for us. And, and Kevin's done a really nice job of bringing those young men in and really elevating his, his program. So he, he got it, you know, in terms of he understood uh, as much as I really like playing that game. Um, you know, there's some other teams out there we're, which are – you know, better fit for us, you know. So, you know, we had to uh, just make some changes. Not not, not many. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had Mercer on that schedule, and, and there's a coaching change, and they just couldn't work it out. So, you know, picked up NJIT, uh, picked up Mammoth. You know, still have Towson, UMBC, uh, Delaware, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, and they work, and, you know, it fits into uh, – our preseason schedule on both sides. So uh, in terms of the conference, you know, uh, nine games versus, you know, uh, six or seven uh, based on what we had at times in the NEC. So, so not too bad. Um, what I really like about that uh, is we have the same approach as the Patriot League where we take uh, six teams to the playoffs, mm -hmm. not to get a bye. Uh, first four play in the quarterfinals, and then it moves on. And I really like that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, a coach that wants to get to playoffs. You know, I, I'm not going to say, "Hey, let's win it." I mean, sure, we we all want as coaches want to win it, but I I also know not fooled by wherever you are 
or seeding in the playoffs. Um, and, and in my history, um, I've seen, even myself, as the first seed get knocked out and as the fourth seed win. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm excited that at least six out of the ten teams in the MAC Conference get to the conference playoffs and play on from there. Mount St. Mary's coach Tom Gravante with us here on our College Lacrosse Preview Show. Coach, uh, Jared McMahon obviously has been someone who has been quite productive for you. Uh, he's he's now your only McMahon uh, this season, but how helpful is it to have, you know, to sort of start with someone that you can count on that you know is as reliable as he's been for you these last few seasons? Uh, that very, very uh, uh, exciting. Um, you know, I worried uh, as he's a, uh, a twin, his brother wanted to be up in the Boston market, so he uh, went to Bryant. We helped him go there. Uh, Jared was on the fence. I mean, uh, you know, again, we're twins today. They grew up together all their life. Uh, and, and if you have a set that plays sports together, there they are. Uh, so um, he was watching their roster and saw that uh, their entire attack went elsewhere. And he knew that we were a little bit more mature, you know. And, it's, and, and, and again, it's something that he, he really uh, – set as a goal you know he wants to to win it you know um he's a tremendous team leader he is an offensive guy that uh has non-stop communication with the players i mean uh i'll uh i'll use my own son who's a uh a freshman and uh you know when, when i think kids talk to their parents they come in that unique situation right but uh you know we will talk about practice at home and so on and so forth and he says how valuable there it is to him as a freshman um you know putting him in the places he needs to be just communicating him through things so i'm extremely excited about uh jared mcmahon and his ability to really uh, captain and lead this year, especially on offense. Uh, your team had three different starting goalies at times last year, but Griffin McGinley was was clearly the the top option uh, when he was available, mm-hmm. uh, and had a couple twenty one save games along the way, including against Navy. What's his development been like, and 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 in particular, how does that uh, how does that position look for you guys heading into this season? So, um, and that wasn't. Uh, because we had issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Griff was our, our starting goal. You know, we have a, a true senior on the team. And then I brought in um, a, um, a grad student. Yep. And once we, we kind of knew that it was out of reach, um, you know, I just want to make sure that we can give our guys the best experience, you know, the best student-athlete experience I can give them. Um, so we played some. We played some guys last year, um, and it worked out. Griff, Griff got it, and we made it clear to him, "Hey, you know, you're a sophomore. We're uh, we're we're going to be okay. You're you're our guy, and he's our guy this year as well. He's he's really done a nice job uh, this fall, um, and he's he's predicted as we hoped he would into the into the spring, or at least the start of the spring." Um, I've learned, you know, I learned something a long time ago. 
the fall and spring are two different seasons, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when kids go home and come back, sometimes there's a change in them. So we have to, we have to wait to see how they start practicing, how they manage themselves in battle. He, he's our guy. I'm excited for him. You mentioned uh, Tom Gravante from Mount St. Mary's with us here on our college lacrosse preview show. You mentioned your son, TJ, and I just wanted to get a thought on sort of what, what that experience is like for you. I know he's kind of been away uh, playing in, in high school. So having him back, having him with you, what's that relationship been like, father, son, coach, and pupil? Like, how, how has that been for you, having him on the team? Well, um, you know, honestly, I didn't think I was going to be in this position. Uh, you know, I tried as his dad to uh, help him through the process, get him to some of the schools that he had on his radar, as most parents would like to do that for their, their kids. Um, you know, I've been here, this is my, I think, my 31st season since 93. And, and I've seen a lot of the administrators, kids be born, grow up, and, and like a lot of them, because they, they grow up in the Mount St. Mary's family, they, they want out. You know, they want to get out and maybe go to uh, a bigger school. You know, all along I was uh, quietly letting him know that sometimes bigger isn't better, you know. Um, but it is a, a very unique and exciting, uh, but it also can be very trying. And not so much, you know, trying to coach up uh, your son. Our relationship on the field, he, he gets it. Um, it's not like he's never played uh, for me before, you know, I think I coached him all the way up until eighth grade in the, in the youth, right, the club teams. But, you know, once he was going to high school, that's where I separated myself. Um, but he's done a really nice job. You know, he also also understands that, you know, he's probably going to be held and, and should hold himself to somewhat of a higher standard, really, as the coach's kid, you know, um, and he has, like he, he, he knows that there's going to be watchful eyes on him. You know, I try to separate, separate myself this fall and let my staff kind of handle it. You know, um, we had 10 attackmen at the start of the fall season. I really wanted to trim that down to eight so we could have four guys on each side, you know, in, a, in terms of a blue team and a white team or the first team and the second team. And, you know, I let them, kind of come up with the top four and then the second top four and he really uh, got himself into the top four so he's worked himself into a playing position I you know I think if he maintains his health um, up until this Saturday uh, you know I'm confident he will but you know in this game especially with these frigid temperatures you you just never know as coaches Um, he will he will start for us and uh He's really done a nice job of handling that, managing himself, you know, managing himself maturely. So I'm, I'm really proud of him. Um, so it's, it's cool to as a as a dad, it's really cool to hear you talk about it that way, Coach. That's really neat, um, it, Coach. Just just big picture for this team, right? Like for for you guys to break through and be able to be competitive back in the MAC in this first season. The most important thing that has to happen for this team is what? Uh, well, you know, I, I think that it's really going to start with 
um, you know, my, my assistant doesn't really like me to say this word, <laughs> but it's culture, right? Leadership. It's, it's how we, you know, how we help our upperclassmen manage the team. I mean, I have a large class of uh, young men who, who are, are, you know, are outstanding kids in the classroom, you know, and we started uh, from day one with them, uh, 15 of them, you know, uh, with a with a team of 55. So we kind of set up seven groups, you know, with leaders of each of those groups with, you know, six to eight kids in each group, you know, and and really helping them understand what it is to be a good teammate. You know, guys want to play, right? And and if you're coming out of a really high quality high school and you've played, you know, since your sophomore junior year, and, and then all of a sudden you go from who's who to who's he to nobody knows who you are, and you're on the bottom again. Kids struggle with that mentally, but we we have to make sure that our upperclassmen recognize that that there's going to be some hurt emotionally with these young men, and and get them through that because you know your 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 first guy, you know, which may be your best guy to ring you, the best guy can't be treated any different than your, your 55th guy. Everybody's important. And we, we have to make sure that, you know, these young men drive that point home, that what you do matters. You know, you're on the scout team. We need you to be the best you can be to, to give our starting gear look and vice versa. You know, so, you know, that's, that's the situation, uh, moving in, right, that we're trying to take into uh, a very successful season um, and, and certainly into the MAC, you know, to get to those playoffs. You know, I'm pretty certain that any team that has ever gotten that national championship, if you ask that coach, hey, how do you feel about your squad? What do you think of those kids? I'm pretty certain he said, well, you know, I don't really like these guys. I think <laughs> they, you know, we're not very – Good people. I mean, they'll, they'll tell you. You know, you can take that up with John Tillman. You know, I'm certain he'll he'll tell you that he had a great group of young men last year. You know, so that that's uh, that's going to be our approach. And, and again, we're excited about this new conference and getting to those playoffs. Tom Gravante, head coach at Mount St. Mary's. They open the season this Saturday at Navy at 12 o'clock, and then they'll be back home the following Saturday for the home opener against Towson at 3. Coach, appreciate you taking the time for us as always. Best of luck this season. Look forward to talking to you again down the road. Appreciate it. Tom Gravante from Mount St. Mary's. Patrick Stevens, your thumbnail on the Mountaineers. Uh, lots of lots of new there, right? Like yep. Getting adjusted to a to a different league, a big league. You know, they'll be playing a couple midweek games in conference play, uh, and I do like the fact, like he alluded to as well, six a six team conference tournament. You know, they do that. The Patriot League does it. The Big Ten does it now too. Right. Uh, they kind of kept that expanded version. Uh, so so that's a good thing, and and I I feel like for Mount St. Mary's coming off what five and nine, mm-hmm. something to that effect last year. You know, I I think basically if you can you know if you get the good goalie play you think you're going to get and you have some pieces on offense you know can you make that conference tournament in year one and kind of go from there that's um that's got to be the goal obviously mm-hmm. just just take a step move forward and, and see what happens after that seems like an appropriate time for me to remind you guys that uh, today's show is brought to you by umbc athletics as uh, the retrievers basketball wise are home on wednesday night 
taken on Binghamton. Hit a little bit of a, a, a sort of a slump here of late, but obviously they've been very good all season long, and it was the schedule was tough. Yeah, the back to back road games. I, th- I think the uh, the loss at Vermont is is perfectly understandable. Yes, I, I think they'd probably like to get that game at NJIT back. They will try to get back in the win column, as we mentioned, Wednesday night when they host Binghamton. You can get your tickets and experience game day at the peak right now by going to umbcretrievers.com. And while you're thinking about it, maybe you scoop up some tickets to see UMBC lacrosse this season as we continue here on our college lacrosse preview show. They're they're the latest, I think, of all the local teams for their actual start to the season as their opener will be February 18th at Drexel. Joining us now, he is the head coach of the Retrievers. He's our friend Ryan Moran, and he's with us on our college lacrosse preview show. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's always great to catch up with you, sir. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. Well, thanks for having me here, guys. It's great to chat with you, Coach. Um, you know, we, we I remember talking to you last year on this show and talked about, you know, how good your defense could be. Well, as it turns out, your defense was really stinking good, right? One of the top ten scoring defenses in the country. So I'll pose it to you. Can your defense be even better potentially this season? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely some, uh, some changes within leadership. Uh, Coach Bucci um, got a – who was our defense coordinator last year, got a new position at Penn State this year. And so Craig Chick has taken over as a defensive coordinator. And, um, you know, we've lost the goalie, our starting goalie, Tommy Wigner, who has been a five-year starter. And uh, Colin Kasner has left and graduated as well. So there's some new pieces down there. Um, I hope that we can be as successful as last year, but it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of improvement to be able to match that. You bring up the goalie situation and Tommy Lingner's graduation. I know Jason Ting uh, started a couple games last season for you. How does that group look at this point? And are, are you, do you feel like you're close to, to kind of settling on a starter for the opener? Is that something that might linger into the season? I'm really happy with the goalie play so far in the preseason. Um, Jason has performed really well. Connor McMahon, who is a freshman from Archbishop Spalding, has performed really well. Keith LaPierre, who's a freshman from Francis Scott Key High School, has performed really well. They are pushing each other. And, you know, Jason definitely has some more experience in college, and I think being able to compete in our conference championship game, the semifinals on the championship last year, really helped him in terms of just gaining some confidence and playing in a big, big environment. Um, so really excited with how he's been playing. But all the goalies have been performing really well and pushing each other in practice, which is nice to see. When we look at uh, players that, that that really were stepped up a year ago. Jordan Galloway clearly is right at the top of that list, Conference Rookie of the Year. I, I guess twofold, Coach. One, did, did you see that coming? Like, Did you know that he was going to be able to be that impactful that quickly? And if that's where you're starting, like sky is the limit seems like the phrase that comes to mind. But what really is he capable of doing moving forward now in his career? Jordan had a great freshman year, and if you asked me, he thought he was going to be conference rookie of the year uh, in the in the fall. I might have said um, probably not. If I'm being <laughs> honest with you guys, I, I think it's uh, just a testament to athletics and getting working really hard, being consistent and reliable in practice earning your opportunity to get on the field at a young age like Jordan did, and then seizing that opportunity and gaining a lot of confidence. And he allowed that confidence to roll the whole spring. And, you know, starting in Drexel where he came out, and I think he had two goals or maybe a hat trick. And then, and then from there, you know, it, it just kind of spiraled into every game. We expected him to have at least two, two or three points, whether it be a goal and two assists or vice versa. 
and he had that consistency and that reliability. And, and I'm glad that the other coaches in the conference kind of acknowledged and noticed that as well, um, because he did have a, a really tremendous year and grew a lot and improved a lot and, and a player that we're certainly proud of in our program. Ryan, I know it's always tempting on the outside to kind of think of things in linear fashion, like you, you, you do X in one year and you pick up right where you left off, and that's obviously not how it works. But that said, you guys do have some continuity. Your top seven scorers are back. You have eight guys back who started that conference tournament title game up at Vermont. Uh, how much do you think that continuity will help, and do you feel like you're starting off from a better spot than maybe you have at times in the last few years? There's some good to it and there's some bad to it. Um, the good is you have guys that are somewhat of a, a known entity and have proven that they can do it. The bad is that they think it's just going to happen. And as a coach, you got to be consistently harping on it just doesn't happen. you got to work hard for it every single day to improve. Um, and really, that's been one of the challenges we had in the fall of just not assuming just because we have done things in the past that's just going to happen. And if you, you know, handle your business differently, well, you're probably going to get a different result. So we need to handle our business the way we've been handling it in terms of just a steady approach to being consistent, being reliable. Hopefully that breeds a lot of improvement and that improvement hopefully reflects with some success on the team. Um, so it's always a challenge because sometimes when they you know, have some success, they think it's just going to happen and that's just not how it works. Coach, with that in mind, how do you close the gap, right? Like, you know, Vermont's been the team to beat now for a little bit in this league. What, you, you, As you point out, there, you have made progress. You've shown there's there is definitely stability right now with UMBC mm-hmm. lacrosse. But that that's mm-hmm. there's the monster, right, that's waiting for you. How do you, <laughs> how do you make up that difference in order to be the team that breaks through? Um, I don't know if they're the monster. I think they've gotten some wins versus them in the last two or three years as well. Um, but they have certainly won the conference the last two years in a row. So I tip my hat to Vermont. Um, you know, I don't know if there's exactly one specific thing we need to improve on in order to, um, to, to beat the teams that are in our conference. You know, it's always going to be everything. You can improve at everything. Um, so Unfortunately, I can't pinpoint down and say, hey, if we do this, we're going to get that. Because last year I gave the answer, well, certainly going to need to face off better versus Vermont. And guess what? We did face off a lot better versus them. I think we actually faced over, we faced off over 50% both times and, and uh, we lost both times too. So um, it's really just going to be everything. And, um, and, and also just staying hungry and staying motivated, which I, I think our team is in terms of right now where we are in the conference and what we want to be able to accomplish. One thing that uh, does stand out as a, as a difference is you guys are back in the stadium this year uh, with the, the construction project being <laughs> done over there. Uh, and I've been over to the basketball season, and I'm like, gosh, that looks really nice over there. i got to think that for you guys it, it's even better to, to, to finally have yourself kind of situated again after having the, the, the year away up on the soccer pitch. Yeah, you know, I'm very grateful for uh, UMBC, the athletic department, the university to, to put that much money and resources into renovating the stadium. It does look really nice. Stands completely redone. Brand new press box, brand new fan amenities building, uh, brand new walkway through a new bridge put in. So it's really great uh, atmosphere to be able to practice in every day. And then also we're super excited to, to give a, a first-class experience in a first-class environment for the fans that come to support us. As you can imagine, I'm really excited about the press box. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you are. And and it was made to the exact specificities that Gary Stein asked for, correct? (laughs) You gave him Always, always. 
Hey, um, uh, uh, Patrick just brought up you guys playing on the soccer pitch. Some kind of, um, I, I had no idea, stunning news that comes from UMBC this morning. Uh, Pete Karinji has announced his retirement as a soccer coach yeah. at UMBC. Coach, can you, it, you know, it, Pete is such a, an overwhelming figure and one of my favorite people that I've covered in, in this sport. Can you tell me about what he has meant to the department, the UMBC community, and you know, as as you've laid your own foundation, just having somebody like that around that, that that's such an important person on that campus. Yeah, Coach Fringe is, is truly a, a unique uh, person. Um, just, you know, he's always been super nice to everyone here, always has a smile, always, you know, with his experience and his charisma and sense of humor, always knows what to say in the exact moment. And I think I'm sure that's what makes him such a successful communicator and educator and coach. Um, I know for myself personally, he's welcoming me with open arms. He's always come in, uh, you know, mainstay and kind of pop into my office and ask me how things are going, uh, which really means a lot. Um, and, and I know he's moving on from, from coaching, but uh, I hope in some he's able to stay involved with the UMBC athletic department in some capacity. Yeah, I'd almost be stunned if that wasn't the case. I mean, the man is UMBC. There is for no sure. doubt about it. <laughs> Ryan Moran, uh, the season, as I mentioned, uh, gets underway a little bit later than everybody else. Can you tell me about that, too? Like, are you just sort of making a personal crusade? Like, we shouldn't be playing when it's 15 degrees outside. What are we doing? (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know why all these teams want to start up this weekend. Um, We started practicing January 9th, and I still feel there's a large portion of of things that we – need to secure, tie up, and and teach and coach um, in order to be successful or in order to put our team to be in a position to be as successful as I'd like to see them be um, in a a game. So, but every coach is different. I I think, you know, we have, we've, we've exhausted all of our contests or 17 contests within the fall and the spring. And I'm still able to open up, I'm still open up season play the second, I mean, the third week, end of uh, February so I don't know where all these other people are getting their contest games from I guess (laughs) I mean look I I think that there's a lot of people that would say we prefer it play a little bit later let's keep it that way opening uh, February Mm -hmm. 18th at Drexel and then the first home game February 24th a Friday night against Mount St. Mary's coach Ryan Moran always appreciate you man we'll be checking in with you during the course of the season thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning thank you guys as well have a great day he is Coach Ryan Moran from UMBC with us here on our College Across Preview Show. Yeah, that just I just got that message as we started our conversation with uh, Coach Moran, Pete Karinji, an absolute you know an icon in local soccer. Um, you know, of course, UMBC made that stunning run to the uh, Final Four. God, what year was that? Was fourteen? Yeah, in two thousand fourteen, that uh, incredibly dramatic run. But mainstays for a while in the NCAA tournament, and uh, Pete Karinji has announced his retirement um, from uh, collegiate coaching. 310 career victories. Uh, one of the uh, 59.5 winning percentage during the course of his career. 320 victories in 33 seasons, 34 seasons, something like that, 31. Yeah. Uh, roughly 10 a, yeah, roughly that's, 10 a yeah. year. That's not, a, that's not an easy thing to do. 32 seasons. 32, 32 seasons. seasons. So roughly 10 a year, basically. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yes, thank you for uh, for correcting me as I was reading the numbers before the 2022 season. It's 320 victories over 32 years. Not bad at all. Hell of a career for Pete Karinji. 
I have no doubt he'll join us at some point this week. I was as you were saying that it's like, well, I know what one of your segments tomorrow is. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've my personal affinity for Pete Garinji, it, it On top of being a hell of a coach, he's just a hell of a dude. Like, and he's he would be he would listen to shows and call in mm-hmm. to talk about whatever it is that you were talking about. He'd be like, dude, I want to call in and talk about the Ravens tomorrow. So you got to coach. <laughs> we'll make some time for you. You got the hotline. Hey man, I, I God, I was so if they could have somehow won the title that year, it would have been the most amazing thing. Maybe in the history of Baltimore sports. Um, but it still. would have been it would have it would have been like Coastal Carolina winning the winning really, college world series. Really a great comparison. Really like what what? <laughs> like what? But what a run that was and what a run he had at UMBC. All right, quickly, your thumbnail on the retrievers. Uh obviously, you know, it was funny when you're talking about what's it gonna take to, to, to knock down Vermont and slay the dragon. Well, it certainly helps that Vermont finally graduated some guys. Like Thomas McConvey will be suiting up for Vermont or for Virginia this year. And they have a we, a pretty prominent uh, coaching change. And, and they you know they do have that as well. So uh, you know I think uh, uh, for UMBC uh, the continuity, as Brian Moran suggested, is some good, some get bad. I think ultimately that's mostly good. Uh, the goalie play, uh, I think they can they can solve that situation pretty handily. I expect to see them in the conference tournament again. I do think Vermont. Uh, in there, and I think Bryant as well coming in, even with a new coach. Mike Pressler retired, and Brad Ross took over after having spent the last few years as the offensive coordinator at Navy. Uh, I do think UMBC is is definitely going to be in that mix in that league. And don't forget about the Dane train. Uh, never good to forget about Albany, just w- with kind of the, the loosey-goosey style that they have. But I think they're going to be in the mix too. And a team to look out for in that league over the long haul is UMass Lowell. Uh, hired Drew Kelleher away from Manhattan, a team that went to the NCAA yep. tournament last year. And I think he has, he, has a, he has the goods to be able to turn that thing around. Uh, right now, bet $10, get another 200 in free bets from BetMGM if you sign up through the link at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. When we come back in, it's uh, the head coach of the defending national champions, Coach John Tillman from Maryland, joins us next. It's our college lacrosse preview show. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming
bring back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, right here at Pressbox Sports. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kids club for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kids club. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a three-and-a-half-star review too. Back in here on our College Lacrosse Preview Show, Patrick Stevens is with us in the Washington Post and USA Lacrosse Magazine. You, of course, follow him on Twitter, at Discourse, D1S Course. We do have one more minute here. We brought up Maryland earlier. Anything else local basketball-wise that we would have covered today that is worth a discuss? I mean, God, UMES, I guess we have to keep talking about that, don't we? Yeah, uh, they are tied for the league at the turn. Lead, lead the league lead at the turn at six and one. They just beat Morgan State last night, uh, and so Eastern Shore and Howard uh, tied at six and one in the MEAC. Um, Towson picked up another couple wins last week. Uh, they're a game back at Charleston, which got knocked off at home right. by Hofstra. So single game week for Towson, a big one. If they go up to Hofstra and win, it becomes really, really hard to see how that team with that remaining schedule finishes much worse than about third in the league. That being said, it's not easy to go win it's at not, Hofstra. It's not huh. easy to go do that. But if, right. you get, if you get the sweep, then you're suddenly you know, basically two games clear of Hofstra because you have the tiebreaker over them plus a game. Uh, so, so, so they're they're doing what they're doing, and and not surprising, you know. You look at the remaining schedule; they do have that Charleston Wilmington weekend at the end that's going to be tricky. Uh, but they're they appear well on their way. Cam Holden with a triple double the other day against William and Mary, only the second Tiger ever to do it. Gerald Benneman was the other that's one. Pretty good company. Pretty good. Pretty good yeah. company for number fifty-five over there. So, uh, so Loyola got a win. Yeah, uh, we, uh, we were both there on Saturday. Yeah, so that De- was Dion Perry is a fun little player Deon, to watch sometimes. Dion pa- Perry and and, uh, and I'll tell you what, Jalen Andrews had a great game against Bucknell, and that's a guy that really, really needed it. He had struggled mightily over the last four or five games. My, my father leaned in at one point when we were watching the. My, I took my my kids and my dad to the game on Saturday, and my father leaned in at one point and said, "There's something about it, Muggsy Bogues there. He was just the the harassing, undersized defensive player that just kind of." 
tries to make your life miserable and give you hell. I'm not trying to compare. Obviously, Muggsy Bogues obviously is, not. You know, one of the greatest players in Baltimore basketball history, despite the fact that he was 5'3". Um, but there is just something entertaining about an undersized player that makes it up with their efforts. Like, Cer- certainly so. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that was a, a, a victory that Loyola very much needed, given how this season yeah, has gone. Yeah, it's been a tough, tough year, no doubt about it. All right, uh, joining us now, uh, this man, all they did last year was put together one of the greatest seasons in the history of the sport. Second national championship for him as the head coach at the University of Maryland, and they'll look to do it again this season. He is Coach John Tillman, and he is back with us here on the College Lacrosse Preview Show. Coach, it's Glenn and Patrick. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to chat. Um, I, I, you know, it's interesting, right? I remember when we first – when you first got here, we would talk about like the burden of of inheriting a streak that wasn't yours, right? But like you had to carry it anyway, as far as the national championship drought is concerned. D- is there a burden at all to now resetting the standard that like if Maryland lacrosse loses a game, everybody in the world thinks that the sky is falling? Um, well, that's on them because. <laughs> You know, we play a lot of really good teams, and certainly you're always disappointed when, when you don't win a game. But, um, you know, we play so many good teams, that, that's inevitable. Um, it's just very rare that, you know, you're going to go through a season undefeated. Um, and that's a credit to all those, you know, really good teams, good players, and the coaches out there. Um, so, and we, we don't – there aren't many Saturdays where – you know, we're staring down a game that it's going to be easy. I just don't think there are many teams out there that yeah. you could just line up at the Division One level and have an easy day. Um, everybody does such a good job with their prep work, and there's so many good players. So um, any week, you know, it could go well. Any week it might not go well, but you still have to kind of put your best foot forward going forward and hopefully learn from that experience. John, I know we've talked many, many times over the years about, you know, the human nature element of things and complacency and what have you. And obviously a team like last year's was hungry going in, having gotten so close to a, to a national title and fallen short. This time around, you, you got that title and, and, and you've obviously been through this before. But, but what is kind of the give and take there with, with the complacency element and how do you fight against it? Yeah, that is um, – it is – you know, one of the things that you, when you step back, Patrick, um, you know, it's it's an interesting dynamic because it's easy to say, well, this is this year and that was last year. Um, but, you know, when when you talk to people or you read anything or hear anything, a lot of times it is brought up and we're talking, we have great kids in our locker room, but they are 18 to 22 year olds. Um, and I just know, you know, using the other, kind of the, the disappointment part in 21, it was very motivating. Um, so, you know, having that as something that really motivated the guys, it, it just, it was a natural. Um, so now you look and you don't have that, you know, the concern is always, are, are you as hungry as you were before? You know, are you, you know, putting in that much effort? Are you, do you have that level of focus? Are you, are you pushing yourself that much harder as you did in the past? And, um, certainly, you know, the be the best mentality, to me, it shouldn't matter how the last year goes, like we you know, reset it and we start from scratch. Um, but, you know, you'd be crazy as a coach not to, to kind of be concerned with that, um, you know, given what happened last year. So um, I think our kids are trying to do a good job with that. We do have really good leaders. 
Um, you know, I think all of us kind of talked about how this is a new opportunity. And I think our kids are smart enough to realize like a lot of those guys aren't here anymore. Um, so this is a new year with new challenges and, and we have a lot of guys in new spots and, um, you know, what happened last year isn't going to carry over. Um, and I think our kids have done a pretty good job with that. On, on the front of guys in new spots, I mean, I, it's been a long time, I think, since we didn't realize going in, easily peg who those, you know, that charismatic offensive lead guys were, whether it was Rambo and Heacock, and then Jared Bernhardt was an obvious successor along with Connor Kelly, uh, and then obviously Logan Wisnoskis emerges and, and wins a Tawaraton last year to kind of cap a, a, a stellar career of his. Uh, obviously, I could sit here and, and name a guy like a Kyle Long who's been a mainstay, or a guy like an Owen Murphy who was a breakout player for you last year. But is there kind of that obvious, in your mind, charismatic offensive leader uh, that you could count on to, to put up three and two, four and two, stuff like that on, on a week-in, week-out basis? No, and I think, you know, you nailed really the, the two guys that are probably coming back, have the marquee names, um, you know, based on last year or the years prior. Um so I, I think to a certain extent, there, there's always a positive to having a Jared Bernhardt or a Logan, um, just because there's comfort there, there's experience, they've been there, done that. Um, but then on the other side, knowing that, you know, I think if everybody, you know, on the field realizes that we've got to do this together and we can't just sit around and watch one guy do it, um, you know, maybe that can work to your advantage in that um, everybody's going to be super dialed in, uh, everybody's going to be excited about their opportunity uh, maybe, you know, defensively, as people prepare for this, it's a little less if we take away this guy, um, we'll really impact them. Um, you know, it's a little bit more of, okay, well, you know, one guy's just not going to stir the drink. It's going to be everybody collaboratively. And, and hopefully, in a perfect world, it'd be somebody different each week. Um, you know, it's just a healthy way to do it. Plus, again, for teams preparing for us, um, it's like, okay, you help too much on this guy. Well, this guy may have an opportunity um, but there are times when, you know, you have that group and um, they're kind of the no-name group and they realize how important it is to work together. Uh, your chemistry might be get, uh, better. Your off-ball movement might be better. Um, you know, and again, you might be a little less predictable. He is John Tillman, Maryland lacrosse coach. He's with us here in our college lacrosse preview show. Uh, coach, I remember chatting with you on the field before, you know, we called your fall ball event up at USA Lacrosse, and we were talking about the number one jersey, and I remember Monica and I both walking away from the conversation and saying, it's it's going to be a defensive player. Like, it's we just know it's going to be a defensive player. You went with Brett Maycar. Can you take me through, you know, just the decision to go that route, and, you know, was it... Everybody's talking about it from the outside. It's the first time that you've done it with a defensive player, but was it that difficult of a decision for you? Um, I think if you looked back in history, you know, my gut is, you know, there've been a number of defensive guys, um, goalies, defensive guys that have worn it. But I think in recent memory, you know, it's been shaded towards the offensive guys. Um, so I totally get, you know, why people have kind of said, well, it's got to be an offensive guy. Um, and, and we really, you know, felt like it was, it was something that was important for enough for us to, let's take the fall to figure it out and, and really have communication with each other and kind of see how the play, um, how the, the whole thing plays out. Uh, Cause there's a, in our opinion, there was a number of factors, right? It's, um, it's a marquee name or a marquee number. Um, and it means a lot. Um, historically that person I think has really embodied everything that, 
you know, when you think of that team, it's kind of the guy you think about. It's the, um, you know, more than just lacrosse. Um, so we kind of sat and we had conversations. We had conversations with former number ones. Um, obviously, it's an early, easy conversation in, in the Bernhardt family, um, knowing that two of them are here as the coaching staff and Jared is, has worn it. Um, you know, even talking to Logan, you know, when he came back for um, the uh, the alumni weekend, you know, just, hey, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Um, and we had a number of guys. I mean, you certainly could have not gone wrong with a guy like Kyle Long or Owen Murphy or um, even Logan McNaney or Luke, like any of those guys, I think would have been great. Um, I think the other thing that is important too is, you know, w- with that number, and it could, could go into any number in any sport, there's a little bit added weight to it. And I, I'm not going to use the word pressure, but, you know, there's a little bit more of a, hey, you're, um, you're a guy that, you know, is looked at a little bit more carefully uh, maybe judged a little bit harsher um, because of the standard and the tradition of that number. And I do think Brett is very well suited. Um, he, he's, he's been very successful for four years. He's been a four year starter. You know, he's, you know, is as good as anybody out there in his position. So to me, it, it's, it's something that I don't think it'll change his mindset any single day going out there. Um, and I do think there's something to be said for that. The last thing you want to do is put maybe pressure on a young guy that really, you know, hasn't been there, done that. Um, and is that a healthy thing for them? Um, so to have somebody that's established, I think is established as a leader, a great player, a great person. Um, and for Brett, uh, much like Logan and Jared and, and some of the other guys, you know, it was not anything they were seeking. It was not something like, hey, I want to get this, when I talked to him and maybe had that early conversation, it was like, huh. Um, and I said, yeah, just think about it. Um, but, but I think knowing that, hey, we believe you have all the attributes uh, to really you know, represent the program and that number the right way, it just made a lot of sense for Brett, much like it, you know, any of the other guys would have been great choices too. On the subject of Brett Maycar, you look at how that defense uh, brings back a fair bit, uh, certainly in the close defense with him and, and Ajax Apatello, John Geppert at pole, and you mentioned Logan McNaney in the cage. How much do you anticipate that kind of being sort of the bedrock of, of, of what you guys are going to do in this season at the defensive end? Yeah, and, and I think for those guys, all individually good players, um, but I do think those guys are um, very good leaders and very good influencers. Um, and their ability to make sure that everybody's on the same page will be really important. Um, you know, whatever defense we're in, whatever the calls are, whatever we're trying to do uh, to make sure that they're on point, they're communicating, they're communicating effectively and clearly um, and making sure that, you know, especially some of those other guys that maybe will be new in there, um, you know, they can help those guys. Um, and sometimes when you're, a new player, especially on the defensive end, it's more important to be a really good listener than it is a really good talker because a lot of times those older guys can really tell you what to do. Um, They'll tell you when to slide. They'll tell you what you're in. So um, sometimes if you can just take your cues from them and make sure you're on point with what they're saying, it helps. Uh, But those guys, that's going to be critical for us because I do think we have some new parts that can do a good job. We've seen some really good improvements so far. Um, in our scrimmages, we've had, 
you know, obviously you talked about Team USA in the fall and Cornell, um, you know, our alums. And now with Duke and Georgetown, you know, you're talking about some good teams. Um, and we really felt like that was going to be important for the growth of, of this team, um, but also the improvement to get them ready for, for game day. Uh, just another couple minutes here, John Tillman, University of Maryland lacrosse coach. Um, coach, you know, you bring up Logan McNaney, of course, Luke Weirman, you know, what a revelation he proved to be. From, from the outside, it would be easy for me to say, sure, Maryland's got to replace a lot offensively in the short stick D middies, but when you've got a Logan McNaney and a Luke Weirman, like your, your floor can only be so low, right? Like when you're that strong at such important positions on the field, in, internally, do you have a similar feeling? Like, if, if we have this amount of confidence in our goalie and our face-off specialist, a lot of these other things, we can figure that out and work that thing out throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I think you always sleep better at night knowing that you have guys that, that have done it and can do it again. Um, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, they're going to walk on the field and it's just a given thing. But I think it's a much different contrast to, hey, we have a new starter and he's never been in that spot, so we hope he can do it. Um, you know, we know there's no carryover, um, but both those guys are very dedicated. They're very focused. They're very detailed. So, um, you know, they have to prove it again, but you feel better knowing that they've been through those wars. They know how, how to navigate a season. And even in some of the biggest moments, they, they have played pretty well. Um, I don't see those guys as guys that are going to be complacent guys. They're usually you know, pretty self-motivated um, in practice. Obviously, we're trying to make sure it's a competitive environment. But especially in our sport, we're knowing that possessions are really important. Um, you know, knowing that you know, hopefully if those guys do well or they have a pretty good day, you know, that might start you off with a few extra possessions. And when you have some newer guys, you know, if you can get a few extra possessions – you know, that covers up for maybe, you know, a bad decision or, mm -hmm. you know, a turnover, you know, or just a lack of execution, which, you know, usually happens early season. Uh, you merit them up, so let's talk about it. You're all Bernhardt now at uh, your coordinator positions as uh, Bobby Benson moves on, and, and it, it doesn't hurt to be able to turn to a Jake Bernhardt at that point and say, hey, come on back. Uh, we got a spot for you. I guess twofold, what does that look like? You know, what – does he does he bring something different philosophy wise with him as he comes back or, you know, I, I, man. Also, I guess the other part of that is too. Like, do you do you have Jared informally working for you at this point? Like, is it just all Bernhard all the time? Um, <laughs> we don't uh, we don't have Jared doing too much. Uh, we're super excited for him. Obviously, proud of what what no he's doubt. been doing. He's been pretty locked up there. Um, but um, I think he might be coming back for the opener. Uh, just to uh, come back and support his brothers, which is great. And, you know, we're proud of him for all he's done on and off the field. Um, but I think anytime you add somebody new, um, you know, much like Bobby uh, Benson last year, um, you know, most of those guys are going to be smart enough to kind of say, all right, this is what you've been doing, um, you know, with the parts that you have. And I think every year you kind of have to look and go, do we need to adjust certain things? And, you know, it could be subtle little things, but, you know, even though like some guys have graduated, you have like emphasized certain, you know, philosophies and beliefs and um, sets and principles. So I think a lot of times you'll still do a lot of those same things, but I always give the same example. If you, if you had a, 
a running quarterback, um, you know, you wouldn't want to drop back and, and throw the ball 50 times and vice versa. So, you know, you always want to tailor what you're doing to your kids' strengths. What you're hoping is if they've been in the program for one, two, three years, um, you know, they've kind of in practice shown you some things. And um, based on what we've done, you've kind of seen out of what we've done historically, okay, we can continue some of these things, but maybe we need to adjust a little bit here and there, um, whether it's just one group um, or, you know, overall, and maybe that's just what they do better. So we will be open-minded with it. I think anytime a guy goes away to another program, much like when Jesse left, you know, he spent some time at Rutgers in Princeton. Um, he does bring some new ideas because he's worked with other people. And um, I think that's a healthy thing. Um, a new set of eyes. Hey, what do you guys do here? Or why don't you do it this way? Um, listen, we want to hear those things. I, I think that's how your organization gets better. Um, I thought Bobby did a great job with that. We, without blowing up what we did, you know, some new wrinkles and ideas um, and certainly a bright guy. And Jake's a bright guy. Uh, when you watched that Vermont film last year, you saw a lot of what we did uh, in Vermont. There were just a lot of similar attributes. So that made me feel very comfortable when we were talking about filling the position. Okay. Like this is not going to be a guy coming in where, you know, he's going to have to learn a new system and we're going to have to overhaul everything. It, it, a lot of what they were doing uh, seemed very similar to some of the principles we had. Um, but again, if he felt like, Hey, I think we might be better doing this. I think we're always open to hearing it. And I think the kids are, are, are very open to that too. Whatever's going to make them successful. Uh, we're happy to look at and do. Season gets underway this Saturday when they host Richmond in College Park at 1 o'clock on a, what's going to be a frigid day, uh, 28 degrees or so, but and check them out. And then, of course, they'll be back up here in Baltimore the following Saturday to take on Loyola at 1 o'clock at Ridley Athletic Complex. Coach John Tillman, I always appreciate taking the time for us. We'll be in touch during the course of the season. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, guys. John Tillman, Maryland lacrosse coach, with us on our college lacrosse preview show. Um, we could probably spend 10 minutes doing a thumbnail on Maryland, but just give me your – like I, they, they lose a lot, but they're going to be really good. Not as good as last year, but still pretty good. Yeah, right? Like, I, it, And it really – when I've, when I've had conversation privately, mm-hmm. I have felt that. Like, You have an exceptional face-off specialist. You have an exceptional goalie. I truly believe that Maryland's going to be capable of figuring out the other things they have to figure out this season. In all, in all likelihood. I mean, I, I, I don't think they are going to be head and shoulders above the rest of the country – like they were right. last season. But right. I would also say that more likely than not, we'll be seeing them in Philadelphia. It's coming. typically, I, I feel like a few years ago, we, we, we you had like a list of four teams that you, you could almost count on. Well, there was one time where it was Virginia, Princeton, Hopkins, and Syracuse. And then it kind of, right. be, you know, and then probably about around 2012, 2013, 2014 in there. Duke and Maryland. Duke and Maryland and Notre Dame and Denver. Yeah. And, and now it's maybe a little more fluid than that. Yep, a bit more fluid. There's no doubt about it. We are winding down for our College Lacrosse preview show. It has also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Of course, the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Peter Milliman is going to join us here in a second from Johns Hopkins. Um, I, 
obviously with Maryland being the team to beat, can you give me your breakdown of the rest of the Big Ten this season? Well, I, I certainly think that uh, Rutgers and Ohio State, two tournament teams from last year, are, uh, are, are going to be in the mix again. Rutgers has maybe not as reliant on those transfers, but they still had a fair number of, of one-year additions that they had. You know, they get uh, they get uh, um, I'm blanking on the poor the the midfielder's name that uh, Sprock Greg Spro- or, uh, thank you Sprock's back David Sprock's back uh, in addition to having Knobloch in addition to having Ross Scott uh, you know they'll be different in the cage this year for sure uh, but there's a lot to like about them Ohio State has a new stadium that they're opening this season uh, they add Marcus Hudgens from from uh, Army, uh, and I think defensively they should be They're opening good. Lacrosse Pacific Stadium? Yes. Wow, that's a big deal. It is, and, and the, you know, they, ha- they have one now, and obviously uh, Penn State has Panzer Stadium as right. well, so... Uh, and Michigan has one. Too, Are they going to so. still try to play a game? Like I don't, the, the I, don't spring know, g- I don't know if they're going to do that long term or not. Okay. But, but anyway, I, I do think that you know Hopkins is going to be better. I, I think that uh, Michigan showed some signs of promise last year, and and, and frankly, I, I I think Penn State can't help but to be at least a little bit better than last year. So I think that the league in aggregate is going to be better than it was last year, and and I think Hopkins is a team that's going to be really fascinating to see develop this season. Well, let's uh, wrap things up this morning. The final coach we put on the hot. Seat here in our college lacrosse preview show indeed is the head coach of the blue jays he is coach peter milliman and he's with us now here on gcr coach it's glenn and patrick it's great to catch up with you as always thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us absolutely happy to be here i, I got to talk about the genius of scheduling if you're going to have to play on february 4th i guess it's a lot better to play in jacksonville than it is to play in baltimore where it's supposed to be 28 degrees yeah, sometimes those things work out. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll try and keep it as an away game every year. <laughs> Make it a tradition. Maybe if, if you can't uh, keep it up, you invite somebody else to go down to Jacksonville to play against you in the future. Yeah, Not- I used to always get jealous of that uh, preseason basketball tournament in Hawaii, like the Maui Invitational. <laughs> right. Got to have something like that for. Wait, wait you're, you're not planning on wearing like a, a floral shirt on Saturday, are you, coach? <laughs> I don't, it depends on how warm it is. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll, consi- we'll consider it, um, hey, Coach. Look, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm trying to make an excuse, but I I think to come in at the time that you did, obviously, given that COVID, we didn't have all the answers when you arrived, and we didn't get all the answers any time quickly after that. Do you feel like mm-hmm. you're finally at a place where that's no longer a factor? Where you know, whatever's happened the first couple of years and the difficulties that you dealt with, you can just get into a place where you have set a foundation and you can take the steps forward now as a program without having to deal with all of those burdens. Uh, I mean, you know what, just realistically, I think uh, it's important that the guys embrace where we are right now and what we're doing in this season. And, and every season and every team is completely different. It's a new makeup of guys. It's a new dynamic as a group. And you got different priorities. And so, you know, we're not talking about where we've been or what we've done in the last few years. We're not talking about anything in the past, just about what we can do this year, what's right in front of us, and, and you know, how hard we're committing to um, being the best team that we can be. So, you know, there's some challenges with everything that you're doing. And, and uh, you know, I understand that, that there may have been some at, at certain times. But um, I think the energy is great. Guys are excited. And we're just, you know, really looking forward to getting out there on a game day. Firmly in the moment here, John Crawley back uh, at Hopkins as the offensive coordinator, a young guy, a guy that obviously has uh, some coaching experience here from the last several seasons. Uh, what sort of impact has he had, and, and does that relative youth kind of help uh, in terms of creating some cohesion among some of your offensive players? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's an impact in a lot of ways. I mean, first and foremost, he's an outstanding offensive coordinator. He's got a great experience and a, and a background, you know, at a few different uh, few different programs, running some good offense at Lehigh for the last few years. He was a, a significant uh, player here, you know, as a two-time captain and a big piece of the uh, the offense and an All-American midfielder and, and, you know, really has a good understanding of what offense should look like. I think when it comes to you know, his experience, his youth, uh, you know, he just playing in the, in the pros this summer, you know, there's an obvious connection there as well, but I think most importantly, he's just a passionate blue Jay. You know, he just wants to be successful here. He wants to, you know, these guys to have the best experience they can. He cares deeply about not just them as athletes and competitors, but them as young men. And, and that comes across, across in the way he coaches. And I think guys really gravitate to that. It feels like it doesn't hurt when you have an offense and you're able to get a 40 goal scorer to come back for a fifth year as well. Correct. It's- yeah, there's no doubt. I'm uh, always gonna gonna lean towards that. If we can <laughs> add 40 more goals to the lineup. Um, I think uh, you know there's a handful of guys that are in the mix and, and doing some great things. I think Garrett is specifically somebody we're gonna have to lean on in certain situations. He had a great scrimmage this past weekend against uh, against um, Denver, but uh, really he's just leading as a captain and and being a great teammate right now is most important. At the other end of the field, Alex Mazone, uh, pick up from Georgetown at Long Pole. Uh, what sort of influence is he going to have on what you guys are going to be able to do on defense? Uh, Al brings a lot of experience. He was a four-year starter at Georgetown. It's a very successful program. You know, got a great uh, foundation of, of defensive knowledge from a great system there, and and you know, really just just bringing that uh, you know competitive nature to our to our program. Um, you know, he's the youngest of four brothers that all played Division One lacrosse, and some of them played pro. And, and you know, he's just he's got it in his blood. He's a great he's a great kid, a great teammate. You know, he knows the game, uh, cares about it the right way, and um, you know, guys have really have really taken to him pretty quickly. Have you settled on a goalie going into the season, Coach? Uh, I mean, I think we're we're pretty confident in where we are with the lineup, but um, I, I think that it's it's a great competition. I think the guys are all bringing the best out of each other. I think this is the best uh, group I've seen in a, in a while, and, and I'm just uh, excited for them to continue to push and develop. But, um, yeah, I think we're starting to make progress towards that. If we told you that nobody in Jacksonville was allowed to listen, could you, <laughs> is that would that help? Like, no, I understand. I completely If you <laughs> promise not to say anything, I'll tell you. Nah, I, don't, uh, I don't know if I can commit to any of that yet. <laughs> I, I know we talked at this time last year about just kind of the schedule design, a couple Friday Sundays and what have you. I think the thing that's striking this year is maintaining some longtime rivalries with Carolina and Virginia with those midweek games. When, when so much of the sport has kind of shied away from those Tuesday or Wednesday games, you guys have, have plunged in with these. Just how important was it to have those games and, and to have those rivalries? And, and, and how willing are you to, to keep playing midweek games when, we, when they seem to be a, a vanishing breed? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's always, there's always a trend towards something. And I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of teams that are, you know, maybe playing less games or just Tuesday games. I mean, I think, you know, first and foremost at Johns Hopkins, you know, you're supposed to be playing the best competition. This is, this is an opportunity to be uh, in a, in a position to compete with the best teams and, and earn an opportunity to the NCAA tournament. So we, we need to um, strengthen the schedule as much as possible when it comes to that. There's also a lot of longstanding rivalries mm-hmm. you know there's there's you know we got to get Princeton back on the schedule there's a lot of these things that uh you know just kind of come with the territory here so you know the ever-evolving ACC landscape and the way that they change their schedule year to year it just you know sometimes it just happens it's the nature of 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 planning where uh the weekend that you had a book for is is not going to be the one that works and 
Luckily, both those coaches were open to a midweek game. I know it, it might not be the most, uh, you know, optimal um, time frame for from, you know, for fans and, and, uh, and, and things like that. But um, this is when you can get those games and you, and you got to do what you can to, to put your schedule together. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm always open to playing the teams uh, that we need to play and, and, you know, wherever and whenever we need to. Uh, I think our guys are excited about the opportunity. Uh, Coach, I wonder, you know, you, you reference obviously this, the tradition of Johns Hopkins lacrosse and who you're supposed to be playing against and what you're supposed to be doing. Do, do, do you guys talk about like, hey, we, there is an expectation here and this is what we're supposed to be as a program or do you have to say, we got to worry about Jacksonville. Like we can't, we can't worry about all that other stuff, even if you know that that's the ultimate goal for a program. Yeah, I think that's a fair question. And I, I'd even say it's a, it's a, it's a third different uh, focus and that's on us. I think just just like you can overfocus on Jacksonville, just like you can overfocus on the strength of your schedule, you can overfocus on expectations and and tradition here. And, and really, all all we're responsible for doing is being the best version of the 2023 Blue Jays that we can. And and guys are really embracing that. I think to uh, to to reference the past is kind of a necessity here, just because of 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 its proximity. I mean, you're you're around it all the time. The tradition there's there's you know there's success uh, all over this program. But we want to make sure that they understand. Um, the appropriate place uh, that it, that it needs to be um, in our overall program and and in our focus uh, week to week and that's you know recognize where you are and th- and that this is a program that um, you know excellence is is uh, is a standard and and beyond that it's just doing the best version doing the best we can to be to be our best version and and, and keeping that focus internal and and the expectations of the guys internal. I understand the answer might be a little bit of everything, but if the, is there one thing to you that stands out and says, if if we do this this season, then we'll be ready to make that jump. We'll be ready to get back to the NCAA tournament if we can do this as a team. Mm, pick up more ground balls. I, okay. I mean. It, if we pick up more ground balls, we, have, we, will, we will be a better team. I mean, it seems, it seems as simple as that sometimes. It really does. I, uh, Coach, before we let you go, if I could, I, I know you had, you know, you referenced the scrimmage and, and having Denver in, obviously it's a special year with it being Coach Tierney's final season. Did, did you find yourself, you know, spending a minute with him? Could you tell me, I, you know, I know you were at Princeton after he had left, but, you know, have you had a, a relationship with Coach Tierney over the years? And did it mean something to you to, to be able to bring him in knowing this is sort of his last hurrah? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, every opportunity to, to be on a field with Coach Tierney is um, – you know, it's a, it's a, it's a privilege. It's, you know, he's, he's a special p- person in our sport. He's done tremendous things, not just uh, competitively, but, but for the betterment of our sport and of our profession. Um, and I got a, a, an immense amount of respect for him. I think he's such a great guy and, and such a great mentor. Um, I did develop a relationship with him because I was at Princeton. I didn't know him before that, but um, you know, he's such a good guy and, and he and I were able to, to make a connection there. And, just having the opportunity in the last, you know, couple of years to compete against them. And, and obviously, you know, in the business, you see him around at different places and things like that. So it, it was a, it was a little bit of a special moment for me just to have an opportunity to be back on the field again with him. But, uh, you know, then the whistle blows and we're competing and, you know, he's, he's giving me the death stare and, and all that that he normally does. So, um, you know, it gives it a little bit of a reality check right back to it. So, um, it was, it was, it was cool. It, it will be, I think it will be, uh, a, you know, a great year for him just to, uh, you know, experience this one last time, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's, it's about more than that. He's done an incredible amount for our sport, not just, uh, not just his team. So 
First couple opportunities for you to see the, the Blue Jays at home this season. Next Saturday, the 11th, 1 o'clock against Georgetown, and then that following Tuesday, the 14th, at 5 o'clock against North Carolina. The season gets underway this Saturday at Jacksonville, where he may or may not be donning some uh, Hawaiian shirts for the game against the Dolphins. Coach Peter Milliman, appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. We will be in touch throughout the course of the season. Look forward to chatting with you again down the road. All right. It's... Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Peter Milliman, head coach at Johns Hopkins, wrapping up. Hey, gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or visit helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Your thumbnail on Johns Hopkins. Well, you know, I think the it'll be curious to see the influence of John Crawley uh, on that offense. Uh, you know, I think that even though Peter Milliman doesn't want to make any excuses about the last couple of years, obviously the first year in particular was was greatly impacted by the pandemic. And, and there were times last year uh, where they looked decent, and there were times last year where they they just did not they were not as competitive as they would have liked to have been. And, and I really feel like, you know, game to game to game, one of the more striking things that happened for them was just getting trucked by Maryland at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was probably the best game Maryland played last mm-hmm. season. And to, and to have that happen to you and you're down 18 or whatever it is and you take your worst loss ever, ever at home, you know, for them to come out the next week and play really well. Competitive, against, yeah. They beat Penn State right. in the quarters and beat them like a drum. And then to come out, and, and they didn't beat Merrill. Nobody did last year. But they were a lot more competitive in the in the Big Ten semifinals. And some of that is if you're Maryland, you're like, ah, we're, you know, we right. just we just we just we just we just we just destroyed these guys, right? But Hopkins played a lot better, and, and so I thought that showed a lot to me about the the trajectory that they could that they could have been on. They could it could have been a okay, we're gonna pack it in, and now you're kind of sitting there wondering like, oh, you know, and, and and so they they showed some fight down the stretch. I think they'll be better. Uh, with a more cohesive offense, you know, I don't think that things were were quite right there in terms of communication, all that stuff. You know, behind the scenes, I think they're going to be better this year. And does better constitute, you know, being in the NCAA tournament mix and and you know maybe pushing Maryland and for a conference title or finishing second in the Big Ten, or does better mean well you're more like fifteenth, sixteenth, and 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 you're in the conversation into April, but you don't quite have enough in the tank. I don't know that, and that's going to be one of the fun mm-hmm. things to learn. You know, you're certainly going to learn it fast with that schedule. You know, we mentioned Virginia. We mentioned, you know, Carolina. They play Syracuse. Jacksonville's good. Loyola's good. Uh, we can run right down the list, and it's not like there's very many places to hide in the Big Ten either. So that Navy-Delaware weekend is going to be a bear again. and it, it got them last year, you know, that, and they got Georgetown early this season. So I, I think with with Hopkins, there's going to be opportunities there, and I, I think they might be a team more than some others that could really use a good February, just just to get off to a decent start, you know, to be above water, and you know, to to be in a spot where they feel good about where things are headed, and that there's proof of concept already, as opposed to you know, well, the, this is the process, this sort of thing, you know, that that sort of talk. And process talk has a way of being, well, we'll get there eventually, sure. right? Like that's sort of the underlying well, element. Uh, to let's it. let's say the quiet part out loud. Is there is there some pressure there? Is you know, this is the third season, right? This is Johns Hopkins lacrosse that we're talking about. Is is there an amount of 
There's cert. I think there's certainly pressure not to regress. Yeah. You know, I think there needs to be progress there. I think that, you know, again, I, I kind of throw out that first season. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I, I'm not sitting here saying that there weren't things to learn and there, there weren't criticisms to make. Uh, but, but I just feel like that was such a weird spot to Understood. be in for a first year coach. Uh, you know, last year they were better, but they weren't great. They were still seven and nine. I, I think you need to be on the right side of five hundred if you're Hopkins, uh, and showing progress. Because at the end of the day, you know, I had somebody ask me, uh, in the not too distant past, you know, kind of looking at, at at where Hopkins has been really on the second half of its Big Ten tenure to this point. And it's like, do you ever think that they're gonna, you know, de-emphasize this or it's not going to be as big of a deal? It's like, there's a big honking lacrosse building there in the end zone <laughs> right. that tells you that it's a big right. deal there and it's going to continue to be a big deal. Now, you know, it's not it's not like it was in 1980 when there were only six teams competing, yep. you know. Not there were more than six teams, but you know what I'm saying. Really, you know, yes. like, you know, it, it was it, it kind of ties into sort of the argument of you know the whole best ever thing with Maryland last year. It's like, well, no, because there were teams in the past that had a larger share of yes, the all of actual the of the talent of, right. of the talent. Right. And so you know, it's a time. This is a time where there's fewer great teams, but more good teams. And that's something that the Syracuses and the Hopkinses and, and, and the Navies, you know, kind of have to reckon with that it's it's not the same as it once was but that doesn't mean you can't be good that doesn't mean you can't be relevant and you know I'm curious to see how this thing unfolds this year you know the the goalie situation is a great question at Hopkins uh the the you know what sort of offensive identity they have I think that we will see progress from Hopkins this year and I think that you know I'm not going to sit here and say that that Hopkins winning 10 titles in a row is good for lacrosse but that's one of those teams where it almost feels like it's a little better for the sport yep. when they're when they're in the mix, when they're mm-hmm. relevant. They don't necessarily have to be great, but I, I think that you know tying the past and the present and the future all together, it's good to have teams like that that you that you hear from. You know, it, it, this is sort of the same argument, unfortunately, that you would hear in football. Well, it's good when Notre Dame is good. Well, not necessarily good, but relevant in the conversation it's something people are talking about just because it is something that people are accustomed familiar to talk with about. yes correct exactly right like oh right yes johns hopkins lacrosse i get i understand exactly what you're saying all right uh went seven for seven everybody posted that's that's good news um there there, there are major league baseball teams that would be thrilled oh, to have seven consecutive starting pitchers no, make their scheduled starts they might be thrilled to have four in some instances Hey, a couple of things quickly. One, don't forget, UMBC Basketball is home this Wednesday against Binghamton. You can get your tickets right now at umbcretrievers.com to experience game day at the peak, UMBC Binghamton, this Wednesday night. With that in mind, what's on your schedule this week, Patrick Stevens? Uh, well, I will be in College Park sure. tonight yeah. for that Indiana-Maryland game. Uh, apparently, Trace Jackson Davis is the most do- dominant player in the in the Big Ten. Uh, I, I think Kevin Willer probably yeah. chose his words poorly there. Yeah. The, the correct thing, by the way, if you had said that Trace Jackson Davis was the most skilled player in the Big Ten, I was thinking explosive to me okay. was the word that came but, to but, mind. But right? I think I think skilled is reasonable. For sure, this because Zach Eady's big. Zach Eady is is is, Trace, a, is a mountain of a man, correct. basically, and it's not exactly a great 
guard league, right? Besides Pickett at Penn sure. State. I mean, it's not – when you think of th- this iteration of the Big Ten, you're thinking about Murray at Iowa yep. and Dickinson at Michigan and Jackson Davis and, 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 and Edie. Like, you're thinking big guys. And so uh, I, I think to say that Jackson Davis is the most skilled player in the league is probably fair. But in terms of dominance, it's hard to argue with the seven foot three dude in West Lafayette. So yeah. anyway, uh, going to go catch Creighton. They're in town to play Georgetown, which finally ended that Big they, East they, losing streak. They beat streak. DePaul, right? They beat yeah. DePaul. Uh, the thirty seven hundred in attendance were thrilled. Uh, but I can't believe it's that many. If I'm being honest, with it, you. it probably Why? it probably Why? wasn't. It, it probably <laughs> was. Well, I was asking myself that yeah, question. Yeah, I bet too. you were. Um, but you know, Creighton is a team that, that that was hyped early, had some injuries, lost six in a row. You know, they looked great in Maui until they didn't, and now they're playing well again. Uh, so, and then Saturday, you know, I'm still kind of in flux on on what Saturday is going to look like. It's so a weird time of year. Where there's a couple different sports. There's going a couple on. different. It's a weird time. A couple different sports going on. Uh, but uh, but but we'll certainly be busy somewhere as uh, as Saturday unfolds. So it's actually kind of a quiet week after the next couple days. There's nothing around here Thursday. There's nothing around here Friday. There's nothing around here. Oh, I will be at Navy for lacrosse on Sunday. They okay. Yeah. For that Queens Take game and Queens. an early look at the midshipmen. So we'll be there. But then nothing Monday. So it's it's a uh, it's a. Uh, There's no MIAC game on Monday. Though? No, They're they they on actually they, they scheduled. Oh, that's right. They they, they scheduled a weekend yeah. off, and in fact, it's helped on the women's side. Because they had some, some COVID, some COVID makeups. Morgan State has a neutral they, site they game against Delaware in State Newark, up right? in Newark. Yeah, uh, and so and Delaware, Delaware State actually plays again on Tuesday against Chicago State in Den, in Dover. Whose event is that? Because that's a TNT game. It's a, Mi- I believe it's the Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. That's exactly who it is. That's exactly who did that event. Yes. Uh, so that's yeah. It's part of Black History Month. Uh, trying to get some exposure for HBCUs. And very... Norfolk State and Hampton, which also played in the Chris Paul event out in Vegas, mm, okay. are playing in this one as well. Cool. So Hampton gets the weekend by, one of the weekend by, since I guess Towson has a weekend by too. So there must be yes. there must be three teams yes. off in the CAA. Because Towson Saturday. plays Hampton after that, right? Yes, mid- middle of the yeah. week. Yep. All right. At Discourse, D1S Course, of course, the Washington Post, and USA Lacrosse Magazine is where you can see his stuff. Uh, quickly, here's what's coming up tonight. Uh, of course, we mentioned Indiana, Maryland, nine o'clock on ESPN two. I believe uh, uh, Robbie Hummel's doing that game again after he did the one over the weekend. Uh, all the rest of the college basketball find at glennclarkradio.com. Capitals, Blue Jackets tonight at seven on NBC Sports Washington. TNT for Lakers, Knicks at seven thirty. I know Rami will be glued to that. Pelicans, Nuggets at ten. NHL Network, Kings, Hurricanes at seven. Um, non-sports-wise. Oh, that Pamela Anderson documentary premieres on Netflix that uh, has been getting a lot of conversation if you want to check that out. Again, everything else you can find at glennclarkradio.com. Thanks to Patrick. Thanks to all of the coaches who joined us this morning. Sean Natalin from Towson. Joe Amplo from Navy. Oh, man, I've already blanked. Oh, Charlie Toomey from Loyola. Tom Gravante from Mount St. Mary's. Ryan Moran from UMBC. John Tillman from Maryland. Peter Milliman from Johns Hopkins. We'll get all of it up in the Greatest Hits section. On the program tomorrow, we're going to do a much more uh, a traditional Glenn Clark radio show. I believe uh, Brandon Williams, former Raven, who is now with the Chiefs and is going to be playing in the Super Bowl, is going to be joining us on tomorrow's show. And uh, Drew's going to check in. We'll have stuff and things on the program tomorrow. Thanks. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't picked up the print issue of Pressbox, it is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. You see Adley Rutschman on the cover, our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. Go get that right now. 
All right. Thanks, everybody. Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Maryland Jockey Club, Great Eights Memorabilia, Maryland Vascular Specialists, UMBC Athletics, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Charles. It's AP, oh, God, 28. What is it? What is it? Charles AP28. Charles AP28 on Instagram. Rami, you're on Twitter at Rami underscore Lavi. Rami underscore Lavi on Twitter. Lavi. I say Lavi. Yeah, and Rami.Lavie on uh, Instagram also. Very good. Look, Give yeah. him a follow. And, and Rami will be uh, doing more of the show with us. Uh, believe it or not, Rami, not all the way up on College Lacrosse. Not his area of expertise. Not exactly. Said, hey, Rami, can you come in and fill in this week? Uh, we're throwing a bunch of College Lacrosse on Tuesday. I said, of course. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for being in here to do that. Of course, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. We'll see you tomorrow.